following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. All right, welcome back, everyone, to our big-time anniversary episode, episode 10. We made it to double digits. Matt, my co-host, Matt Keo, did you ever think we'd make it this far? I never think we'd make it after first ep- one episode. <laughs> first episode. First hey, episode it was fun. Uh, I, I love that first episode, but uh, definitely didn't. Uh, it, it's been going fantastic. Um, speaking of episodes, speaking of uh, how well we're doing, we're with a um, podcast uh, veteran. <laughs> we're going to talk to the man who actually introduced me to the man that got me started in the podcast. Um, he does his next of kin podcast, Mr. Rich Morano. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Uh, now, as I always call you, Mr. Morano, until you yelled at me a couple years ago. I'm like, stop calling me that. Stop calling me that. It's just Rich. Um, Rich was uh, never, and I never had you for class. No. Did I? Never had you for class as a no. teacher. But uh, I, met, I met Rich Morano when I was, uh, what was it, 10th grade. So I would have been about 15 years old. And we did Guys and Dolls, the musical. Uh, do, you remember, do you remember the first time that we met on stage? Yes, I do. And. Um... You like to tell this story, so I feel like I'm stealing your thunder. No, go right ahead. But uh, I, I, you know, I, I do a lot. I've done a lot of things over the years in my 30 years of teaching. My, this is my 31st year. This is my last year, and um, and I, for some odd reason, because of our other director was unable to continue with the show, she was sick. So I had to take over the show with about three weeks to go. So I had a rehearsal just where I said, "All right, we're just going to go through the show." And I'm not going to stop you, and I just want to see what everybody knows. And, and can I tell you what? We didn't know much. <laughs> and we got about 30 seconds into it, and I said, all right, stop. And then that was kind of the next four hours. But at, at one moment, this, this young man walks out on stage, and he's and I, I don't know what he's doing, but he's swinging his arms back and forth like he's trying to take off. And I, stop! And I, <laughs> and I go, what are you doing? So I ran up on stage, and... What is this? And I and obviously it's a podcast, so nobody can see me swinging my arms. But if you can imagine me swinging my arms back and forth, uh, like like Bird Person from Rick and Morty, and um, and that's kind of I, what are you doing? And stop that! Don't ever do that again. And then that's kind of how we met because I didn't even know you. I, I you know I had this was my first musical. The only reason I got into Guys and Dolls is uh, one of my buddies, Mark. Right. He came up to me and he said. Um, Listen, they're doing a musical. It's about gangsters. We can be background gangsters. Uh, let's do it. Yeah. Sure. Whatever. And, and for- then by the time you graduated, you guys were the stars of the shows. It was awesome. We were in Guys and Dolls. We did – Guys and Dolls, I'd say, was my biggest musical. I was never too much of a fan of the musicals, but right. I know I did uh, <clears throat> uh, Man Who Came to Dinner. Yep. Um, Charlie's Ant. Charlie's Ant, which was the best one we did. Charlie's Ant was awesome. Um, that was that well, We was took a, a 1900 – like an 1890 show – uh, and we turned it into a Seinfeld episode. 
We, we, we literally staged the show and rewrote much of it to make it feel like it was a Seinfeld episode, and you played Costanza. I did. You were George <laughs> Costanza. Your and character I, was essentially inspired by George Costanza. And I'm essentially still playing George <laughs> Costanza to this day. I still look like him. <laughs> like, everybody was playing a different Seinfeld-type character, including uh, the one guy who was Spedicue. We, we, he was like Newman. We, 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 we set it up. We built the sets. And you guys, it was probably, and I look back on that show finally because it's one of the funniest shows I've ever directed. I look back and I did it for, I've done it, like I said, I've been directing shows for a really, really, really long time. I don't do it anymore. Got into coaching now. Uh, but uh, before that, I probably was to, done it for 20, 25 years. And um, I, I still think it's one of my favorite comedies that I ever directed. It was awesome. And it was such a, like, usually uh, a lot of the shows are heavy, heavy based with females just because we really didn't right. have a lot of male uh, cast members. The females weren't heavy. You're not saying the females were No, no, no. Were not, females make heavy. Sure. not heavy females. Not that there's anything wrong with that. No, Going back of to course Seinfeld. not. <laughs> 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 no, but there was there was always a lot yeah. of female. That's why I said we cast. should have called the show "Not Enough Guys." And Not Dallas. enough guys and dolls, because there was never enough guys for the musical. There never was the plays. There was always a lot of guys for the plays. Yes, smaller cast, but right. I felt Charlie's Aunt was just really. We had that great balance of just the, the a, a solid guys group right. and a solid girls group. Um, and I thought it was, I, I yeah. thought it was fun. I think it was one of the best things I ever did, and, I, and it was fun. Yep. And that's kind of, and then that's, and then we kind of lost touch when you when you graduated to some extent. Yeah. And then we ran into each other because of coaching. Absolutely. You know, um, which was great. And that was, um, let's see, you've been, I've no, I've been coaching track for this is year number twelve, I believe, and you got into it. Um, I got it. I mean, I'm wearing a shirt that says I'm just a dad with a whistle that I got from one of my teams. And that's really kind of how I got into coaching. Um, first, you know, youth soccer. Um, and then, you know, well, hey, why don't you you're here anyway? Why don't you be the assistant coach? And then a week later, you're the head coach. And, um, you know, you're trying to figure it out. Uh, and then then I just started. My kids were both running high school track. And um I was volunteering with the soccer team because at that point I was, you know, a big travel coach. And I ended up just, they needed a coach for indoor track and then they needed a coach for outdoor track. And then people retired and all of a sudden now I'm the head coach of three sports in Air Force <laughs> High School where I work. So, which is too much. But but it's a nice way to be wrapping up my career. I never really was into, co- I mean, I did a lot of coaching. I was always kind of on the artistic theatrical stuff side for many years, stage management. Then I did a lot of technical media, which I still do. But then I got this opportunity to coach, and it was great because I got to do a completely other thing, which is really it's just being fun, having fun with kids. I mean, it's it's all curriculum. Um, and it's just and that's and I ended up the track coach, and I've the track you know the tracks tracks great, and I've listened to you with you know when I had Megan on from Niagara Wheatfield, a, a mutual friend, and and I love that episode because everything you guys said was exactly right about why coaching track in our area is such a fun thing to do. I'm telling you, and and uh, I know we talked about this with Megan, but it is I've never really been a part of a group like just league wise that I think everybody genuinely likes each other, respects each other, right. um, uh. <clears throat> You know, with soccer, you get a couple coaches where you always butt heads with right. um, other sports. Maybe it's just because track is a little bit more of – it's a team sport, but it's a little bit more of an individual sport. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, in, in the track and field world, it is – especially in the NFL – I mean, there's really not a there's really not a school where I look at but like, man, I don't want to place this school. No, there's there's not a single. There's a few you know people in there that are kind of like, you know, it's I, I always think of the NFL, especially at, like you said with the track and field specifically, indoor and outdoor, that we're kind of like a big family. And there's yeah. you know maybe 
I mean, you're that one cousin you're not super fond of, but he's not a bad guy, and he's not out, and he's never, he's not out to do bad things, like, or she's not out to do bad things, and but they're just, you don't always agree on things, and maybe their approach is not quite right, but you know what, that those same people are great to your kids, and we're all great to each other's kids. Larry, you know, you 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 help my shot putters at indoor track and outdoor track, like, you know, that doesn't happen in many other sports. No. And and that's what the beauty of it for track and field is. Um, it's just you see a kid struggling, no matter what school he's from. Hey, why don't you do it this way? You know, I noticed you're doing this. If you if you change your arm directory, whatever trajectory, it's going to make a big difference. You know, if your kid's the faster kid, he's going to beat your kid. The other yes. guy's kid, he's going to beat him. If he's faster, he's faster. There's not going to be a huge difference. Um, but even in that. It's even be- it's even more fun to watch with the athletes. I remember Ken West had a hurdler a couple of years ago, and he ended up coming in first. But he was just he was more excited that the guy from I forget what other school he was from came in second because he knew he could go to states with him. Yes. and I remember seeing that and like we're going to states together, man. They weren't from the same school, and they were good friends. And I think they run together now in college. And and it's kind of. Um, and that's that's that to me is like uh, Trecton Field always represents what's best about coaching and why we do it. Yeah, and for me too. If if I mean, it's always you always want your kids getting in sectionals, you want your kids getting in state meets. But you know what? If you can help another NFL team and get another NFL athlete into yep. states into sectionals, um, for me that's just it's it's a way for your league to represent, and yep. it just looks great for everybody. Yeah, definitely, I agree. Yeah, um, and I know we've run uh, we've run practices, especially it seems like around a lot of times. Uh, lately, leagues are getting new and new tracks put in, so right. sometimes you're you're misplaced. I know what happened to us for the la- uh, five years ago when we got our new track put in at Adams, where we were you know misplaced a little bit. We had to work over with West, uh, Marty, and Mike, and it was fantastic working with them. Well, I mean, there's those those are example of two of the nicest guys you ever meet in your life, um, you know. And I'm they I met them my first day of indoor, my first indoor track meet. And God, I, I never laughed so hard in my life. And and it's become the culture of indoor track, which is indoor track's not a heavy load. It, it's in terms of dirt. It's not like coaching a, like a competitive, a super competitive sport like soccer, where you're yelling at the officials and you're doing this and you're on your feet for 90 minutes. Indoor track's kind of like you get there, you walk around, the kids go off in 37 directions. You you wait nine hours and then you get back on the bus and you ride two hours on the bus home. It's a long day. It's tough in other ways, but it's not it's not the stress because you're not up on the sidelines. I mean, some guy you are up for your kids when they're racing, but there's a lot of downtime. So you end up really getting to know the other guys and you you find out that they're just teachers in other districts just like you. And many of them are like me. They're just dads with whistles, especially like like Marty and I. Marty and I have had great. Excuse me. Uh, uh, Mike and I have great conversations because he had two kids that he coached, daughters. I had two kids that I coached, sons. And we have a lot in common, both Italian guys. You know, like we, we just – we're a lot alike. And I wish I, yeah. were, I, wish I would have had a, be able to teach with that guy because I think I would have had a lot of fun. You know, and, it, it, and that's, that's what you get with – that's what I like about coaching. I like, I like the kids, obviously. Working with the kids is awesome. But I also like the professional camaraderie that you get with track. Yeah. And uh, with a, a lot of those guys, like you said, I mean, I, I coach throwing, so I coach shot and disc. For indoor, it's uh, shot put and uh, the weight throw. But, yeah, you're right. A lot of times you get there, you know, you're, you're waiting for your kids to throw, you know, but they're, right. they're done, especially with the throwers. You're done usually about a half hour, hour into the meet. Yeah. Um, and then you're just you're walking around checking your other athletes here, checking your other athletes there. 
But it you is mentor. a lot of downtimes. You walk around and you mentor, and you just have a you, you talk yeah. to parents, you talk to kids, you talk to other people's kids, um, other and, coaches, and other coaches, and you develop really good relationships. And and most of us are a pretty good network for each other. So it, it is it that's and I think that's that's the one great thing about indoor track. Um, there's a lot of down things with indoor track because it's such a long season. It's such a distance. We're driving. My Niagara Falls has the longest track out of anybody in the section we have at least an hour and 45 minutes on the bus to get to the meet down in Houghton College and and on the way down it's not so bad because everybody sleeps on the way home it's just like you can't get comfortable it's so long and and you know and if you have a great day it's a great day on the bus uh if it's a day where people are frustrated it's just a long cold ride home in the middle of end of January early February and you know, you realize most of your friends are out at the club, not the club, but they're somewhere. <laughs> not my friends. My I was friends. gonna say, not my friends. Yeah, like I'm, but Matt, maybe you know, your friends. You know, but yeah, like, but but <laughs> no. it, you feel like, but at the same time, like I re- the the relationships I build with those kids and the success that my kids have had, you know, it does make it all worth it. But there are days that it's like, oh my god, why would? And and you feel bad for the kids too, you know, like it's because it's it is it's a, it's a major time commitment. I I, I mean. I would say I would imagine wrestling is very similar because they have those invitationals too that just seem to go forever and ever and ever and ever, um, you know, and you can't really leave, you know. No, I mean it is a lot of downtime, but like you said, it's you've got your practices Monday through Friday, and yep. then it's pretty much like a regular work day yep. on Saturday where you're getting yep. up. I mean, I know for for Ken East, we're usually getting to the school by sometimes six thirty seven, yep. catching on the bus. Like you said, for us, it's about an hour and a half drive down. Um, we get there, we warm up. We're usually leaving if we're lucky, uh, three o'clock, three thirty, right. and then you've got a nice hour and a half bus ride back. Right, definitely. And it's uh, it's, you know, that's on top of working your regular teaching week of forty hours. And, but it's some of my best teaching. Oh, absolutely. I mean, my 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 track coaching, my soccer coaching are probably some of my best. The moments that I look back on. Where man, that was I really nailed it with those kids. I reached the kids today, um, you know. And obviously, I've had those in the class, the regular classroom, and as a director and stuff too. But there's definitely moments where, I mean, when my my first year, I I got to states with my with my relay, and and we had a major problem with a runner, and we had to make adjustments, and for us to to get whether that. And still win. And we came from behind in that race to win that race at sectionals to win the birth to states and go. And it, to me, like, wow, like I, I actually, you know, I had a lot of, you know, it was my first year. I, I was taking over areas of, of not just team management, but also just the, um, the the events that I hadn't been doing. I'd been doing other events. And to get there and, and, and the kids did the work. It wasn't me. The kids did the work. I just had to help them weather the transition. And we did it. But I was as excited. I jumped as high as they did that day just to get we're going to states. We made it. And like for me, I was like, OK, I, I, maybe I can be good for I can be good at this because you don't want to be bad at it. You no. don't want to be there and like, man, there, there should be somebody should have that. Somebody else should have this job, <laughs> you know, like especially as an old guy. I always make the joke that I'm kind of like, have you ever seen the movie The Natural? Oh, yeah. Robert Redford shows up and he's like, I'm your new, you know, whatever position, whatever, because I'm not a baseball guy. He's like, he's like, at your age, you should be considered retiring. That's the line that the that the guy says to him, uh, the coach says to him. And I always feel kind of like that guy. I'm like the newest old coach in the NFL, probably. Well, it's funny. Like, I think over the last couple of years, I've started to feel like the the older coach. I mean, I know I've, I've been coaching. I think I started when I was, I guess, my, my first 
team that I coached was Niagara Pioneer. I did a, a, a U10 travel team when I was 18. Um, but every year it was, you know, running with the kids, coaching with yep. the kids. Uh, my first year actually doing varsity sports was uh, I was 21 right out of college. Okay. I did uh, the park vars- JV, uh, sorry, park varsity <laughs> girls team. And I would always run my practice with the kids. I'd always do the running with the kids. I was always, you can't complain because right. coach is doing the exercise with you. Over the last couple of years, uh, it's been harder and harder you to do You do definitely when you're younger, and especially if you're like doing something like travel soccer where the kids are 10, you can run around there and feel like you're a big hotshot. And oh, then, yeah. But then as you get older and the kids get older, you know, especially even, you know, like even in track and you get seventh graders, eighth graders and you run with them for five or they run with you for five or six years and you realize by that, you know, you're not beating anybody anymore. No. And I, and I try to not do that anymore. I have a bit that I do with track. I always pick the fastest kid on the team. And we get up on the running track the first time of the year, and I'm like, all right, you and me, we're coming out of the blocks. We're not doing the whole run. We're, do, we're just going to there. We're just going we're, to there. We're going to do the 25-yard dash. We're doing 20, 23. <laughs> and, I, and I get in there, and I, I do everything. I do all. I jump up and down. I stretch. I do the whole thing. I do, I do everything. I do every leg kick. I do everything that I've ever seen every sprinter ever do. And then I don't even leave the blocks. I just let the kid go. It's funny you said that. I'm like, I I don't even leave the blocks because they go and they all die. And I'm like, listen, if I come out of these blocks, it's going to look like an old man trying to get out of the tub. It's going to be the worst looking. And someone's going to videotape it. And I don't want to be part of that. So I just and they laugh. The older kids know it's coming. So I always pick the kid, you know, that that thinks he's going to beat me. And he does. So, well, can I tell you, it's funny that you brought that up. Um, uh, for track and field, it was funny. I was always a cross-country runner. I, right. or I was always a distance. Um, I'd do the mile, two mile, the two mile relay. Um, I got into coaching shot and disc just because years ago um, at Cleve Hill, I was hired as an assistant coach. I, I was originally hired to do their distance program. Literally the day before practice, he said, well, our distance coach came back. We're moving you to the throwers. What do you have for me? I've got nothing i've got access to the internet <laughs> uh, exactly so i really I got a coaching book from college i did the shot put for dummies yep. technique and read everything i could yep. so um when i made the switch over to east um shane majeris at the time was the head coach right. and he <clears throat> saw that i had uh shot and disc and they needed a shot and disc coach so i de facto and, took and, it over. and that's an example of anybody it's it's all curriculum absolutely all coaching is curriculum yes if you were a sprinter, you could be really good at coaching sprints. But that doesn't exclude you from the fact that you couldn't be a great coach in just about anything if you study it. And you, you don't. And obviously, it helps if you have a little bit of a background in it. But if you just do the research and you watch a lot and you learn and you talk to people and you go to the camps and you do all this stuff, and, and then occasionally, and you, and you know what you really listen to? You listen to the kids. Yeah. Because the kids will tell you, like, I really use... Um, I use my kids, I, I feel, again, in education, when we always say, well, if you can teach something, then that shows you really understand. We, we use that all the time, right? So why wouldn't you have your best sprinters teaching the new kids how to come out of the blocks? Oh, absolutely. And it's not that I'm not like I'm having coffee somewhere. I'm sitting there with them, but I'm, I'm, it also teaches leadership. It also teaches um, the importance of the culture of your program. So my best sprinter last year, um, you know, it, Obviously, he wasn't going to be able to go to states or anything last year. He ended up getting hurt, but he was like an assistant coach for us. Yeah, and 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 he, um, he was great. 
he and he he got the and he and the younger kids, the juniors and stuff. They all are gonna. They're already showing to be great leaders because they understand how they were inspired by the guy who came before them. It builds that program. Yeah. And there's been a lot of coaches just talking. Uh, in fact, um, St. Joe's thrower coach Isaiah Bullock was. He has given me so much help throughout the year where we had his throwers come in because Joe's didn't have a pit at the time. Right. So they would come in and work with our throwers. He asked if we could do that, and he would. Every day it was. Well, coach I reached out to you this, last year, and one of your this. former throwers came and helped us out. Grace she is, was great. Been fantastic. And she she couldn't get there as much as we had hoped for, but she came when she did come. She definitely made a difference, and the the kids liked that this younger thrower that was doing it at a high level uh, was there, and 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 it's just part of the culture, and that's and again, like it's not like so maybe once we'll beat you, but if you got you know like it's not like. It's it, it's not it, it's not what the sports about. No, you want to win. You, know? you want to have com- you want to be competitive. But at the same time, for me, it's always, you know, if you win, you go over, shake the hand. If you lose, you go over, shake the hand for track and field. It's a lot of times like you see, if you if you lose, especially in a sectionals, you lose right. to another NFL runner. It's almost like you get that little sense of pride. But right. Like, one of your one of your coaches from Kenny's. Uh, if you remember our meet last year, one of our runners went down at the finish line. You weren't there because you were off doing something else. Okay. I was um, probably at the pits. You're probably at the pits or wherever you were. And one of one of our runners went down went down really bad, and he ended up being hurt for a couple of weeks. Um, and one of your runners didn't leave his side, and stayed with him. Just stayed with him and just talk to him hey, you'll be okay i've fallen before like the kid was pretty hurt but he really he really kind of overdid it and he really overstended his leg but he wanted to finish the race and and your guy just sat with him and i made sure that when we did the you know player of the year nomination type things i put and, I, you know I, I i sent his name in because to me that's and, and, you know i mean the kid could have just said oh that guy's a dork or whatever and walked away and you know he stayed there and that to me those are the important lessons that we're supposed to be teaching yeah that was one of our runners uh josh alderman yeah that's that yep Yep. and i remember because uh you had texted me later that night asking asking for his name right and uh the next day at practice um you know i just made a point to him said like listen you know josh uh it was really a great thing that you did and you know the niagara falls coaches were really impressed and he for the rest of the week he was on cloud nine great i mean he loved it and he's not the type of kid to like we honestly i had no idea that he had done anything like that just because i was at the pits and he's not the type of kid to brag about anything right. like that he just he didn't probably think no. he was doing anything that important he just did it to do it he just is a good person and the fact that he was just had somebody recognized for him just right. put him on cloud nine. Oh, that's good to hear. And um, you know. but no, going back to the whole shot shot and disc story it was funny. My first year at Ken East, all my kids were well, coach. Let me see you throw. Let me see you throw. Let me see you throw. So I finally made an agreement with them. We're like, all right, our last meet of the year, our last practice of the year, I'll throw a shot. Didn't say how heavy the shot would be. So I literally went home. Uh, a regular shot put for guys is twelve pounds. I went home, I found, I, I made a, a shot put that probably weighed about 12 ounces. So I get into our shot put circle. Um, I get in there, I do the stretches, I do the, like, all right, right, you know, guys, I'm only doing this once, so watch, get the cameras right. rolling. Um, a good shot put throw for a guy's high school, you're talking like sectionals is like in the, in the mid-50s. You might get a kid, I think uh, Will South one year, he right. got close to 60. Um, when I did this thing, our goalpost, our football goalpost is probably about 100 feet away. I get into the shot put circle. I put it through the goalpost. <laughs> the kids, in fact. You may I, have made it a little too light. I made it a little too light. So the kids, all you hear on the camera is one of the kids is filming. 
holy bleep. And it's the kids are like they literally are running over but like this. And they ran over and one of the kids picked it up and instantly just this is I'm like, I didn't say I was going to throw a legal shot put. Right. I just said I was going to throw yeah. a shot put. You but didn't, nobody weighed it. There was no, no way in that day, apparently. No, so. but they they that's loved great. it. And it's just one of those things. Was and they'll remember year. that. And oh, that's absolutely. the stuff that they remember. They I've remember the fact that I'm going to whatever. And, and, you know, and you kind of have as you get older again, I'm I'm 54 and I think I'm in pretty good shape, but I can't sprint with anybody. And and, uh, and even the distance I couldn't. I couldn't run with probably like I could probably beat some of, you know, some of our bad runners, you know, our ones that struggle. But I mean, let's be honest, like that's not my role anymore. If I was younger, when I was a younger coach, I definitely would have incorporated more of what I could do. But, you know, it's the same. You kind of have to know. You kind of know when you eh, I'm kind of on the other side of that that hill now. And I got to, you know, and, and I it doesn't mean you can't. But you still should show up in good shape. You should, you know, you should be eating right. You should. You know, have the right you know equipment on, and all those kinds of things to show them that you're as dedicated as they are. And then when you do get a couple of, I do this more with soccer. I, I try to get out there and do a few things. I try to do show them, you know, not that I ever played the game at a at a, at a great level, but I played a little bit, and I I can do enough on the pitch just from teaching myself over the years. Um, obviously, I couldn't play you know 45 minutes like they do, or even up to obviously in the first half. But you know, you but you do want to at least show them that you have some ability and you understand what you're doing. Oh, for sure, you know, for sure. So, and uh, speaking of uh, soccer matches and on the pitch, yep, uh, we've got an upcoming game against each other. Yeah, tomorrow, uh, tomorrow, it will be. It's about this time tomorrow. It's about 24 hours away. I was gonna say we'd be getting ready. In fact, it's we'd the be big probably, grudge match. We'd be probably at about a halftime by now. It starts at seven, so yeah, we'd, be, at we'd seven. be at about halftime right yep. now. I so I figure we'd be up about three nothing by now. At I this don't point. know about that, but okay, well, I'll give you that. <laughs> I'll give you that. Sure, but. Uh, no, it's it's funny because one of our things we're going to talk about what makes a good rivalry. But I think what we had last year, it's I think riot. I think was the start or could be the start of a Niagara Falls Ken East, Ken East rivalry. Right. And, and ironically, it's nothing to do with the kids. And a lot of these rivalries, <laughs> no, a lot of these coaching rivalries have nothing to do with the kids. No, it, they don't. It's like two guys have been doing this thing for way too darn long, and the kids are all gone. They're, they're out, you know. And there's are some traditions like. And I, I always bring up wrestling because obviously I've seen a lot of it. The Niagara Falls, Niagara Falls, Weedfield wrestling. Mm-hmm. That his that's a thing. Like that goes. That's been on. And I'm sure every sport has that one. But like in certain sports, um, you know, it's you know Niagara Falls, the old LaSalle senior. That was kind of a rivalry back in the day when we had soccer, you know, basketball, you know. And and then Niagara Falls struggles a little bit from really having a true rival nowadays. Uh, in sports, they kind of have them. Lockport's becoming in basketball. Uh, soccer, it, it's changed a lot over the years, and it's different on the guy side versus the girl side. Um, you know, for a lot of years in, in soccer, it was Niagara Falls, North Tonawanda. Uh, they they would battle quite often. And on the boys' side, I'm not even sure who's their rivals now. Uh, and right now, the girls don't really truly have, a, a, you know, we don't really have a true rival you know, we do play Cardinal Harrow a lot, which is always a great game. It's good for Cardinal Harrow, and it's good for us because it's a non-league game, and we like playing them. We've played them every year, once or twice a year now, for probably 10, 15 years. And it's always a good game for them. It's always a good game for us. Oh, absolutely. You know. 
Well, Matt, in case you didn't know, I'm going to set the stage for what and happened. And he's going to have it completely inaccurate. He's going to have be, it all it's wrong. It's going to be fantastic. Everything he says is going to be completely inaccurate. No, no, no. I'm going to I'm going to say it 100% fair down the line. Yeah, like as he saw it. As as I as as I'm calling as I see it. it. As You're like the official that didn't call a penalty. This is like two kids. This it is. And this oh, is this is what's great. You're going to have it. to give one of us a timeout. That's at right. Some point. One of them's going. One of us going to get a yellow card. So again. But <laughs> but anyways, the first game we were we were at Niagara Falls. Yes, it was a very close game, and the officiating wasn't let, the best. Let, let me be nice and say it was subpar. Like right. it, it had to improve to be subpar. Like wasn't calling. Now the, the thing I have to say though is, I'll I'll I don't mind poor officiating if it's for both sides. If they're missing right. calls for both sides, if they're whatever, I, I can. Live with it, quote unquote. Live with it, but it was, it was beyond bad for both sides. It was just we were horrendous. looking at each other, just shaking our heads. And 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 I, and again, your your head coach, Jamie, is Jamie that I know very well from track, and we've hung out for hours. And I really respect Jamie. And obviously, you and I have been friends for many many years. And 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 we're and and my assistant coach, who's taken over for me when I retire, is knows Jamie from soccer as well. Yeah, a lot of fa- and we're all just looking at each other like. What a bizarro world are we living in here? Like it was, I mean, the one that obviously the one that that stands out to me is that your player, and and again, I don't blame her for doing this, but she was bigger and she collided with my best player, and she, my player ended up hitting her head, and it wasn't even there wasn't even a call. No, I mean, and it, and it, it and, wasn't like I said, it wasn't that it was a dirty play, but but it, it still it should have been it, it should have been, been something it should have been a call. And if I remember right. correctly. It took them a while to even stop play. You are after correct. The head and it was a head injury, which tells me when, like, that is the, and I'm glad you remember that because that's that's the disclaimer that if you just want to say play on, they didn't say play on. They, they just weren't anything. paying attention. So it wasn't play on. It was not playing attention. Like that's yeah. really what it was. And 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 I almost didn't notice right away. Because I saw it happen, and then I got attention when the ball got cleared out. And my son, who was helping me last year as an assistant, was like, "Dad, like, did it?" And he, I mean, I almost had to like put him in in chains and get him off yeah. the field because he wanted to go out and fight somebody. And I'm like, "Dude, you're just a volunteer. Stop it! Like, if anybody's going to get thrown out, it's going to be me." And it, and it was, and it just, but unfortunately, it, when the officiating's so bad, it leads to. It just leads to more problems on the field. Oh, for sure. You lead to players getting frustrated, yep. coaches getting frustrated, fans getting frustrated. And like you said, it wasn't um, the, our girl who did the run. She didn't go in there intentionally. She didn't go shoulder. It was just a It was a soccer play, yeah. a 50-50 battle. Um, the thing that really annoyed me about it is it looked like the girl went down significantly. I mean, it, it was, it was a big collision. She missed games and after that. The only time, the only reason they blew the whistle, which was probably a good 30 seconds to a minute, when we're sitting there yelling at our girls, kick it out of bounds, kick it out of bounds, and our finally our girls heard it. They kicked it out of bounds. That's when the whistle blow, and we're pointing, sir, she's down. Stop play. I mean, we're literally telling the official yeah. to do, and the comments that he was making, his, I don't know if you heard some of his comments. It was all wise guy comments. I saw it. I saw it. Coach, you're out of control. It's how about if you see it, blow the whistle? Like you were out of control. I mean, and you guys, we we both lost it in that game. And and I would say, like, I can I can tell you that I coach soccer uh, at several at many different levels, eighteen years. Let's pick a number, and and I've only been carded a couple times because usually I try to control myself. 
and I've been warned many times, but like that one, I wanted a card. I wanted a card that day because I was so frustrated so that I could go after, like I, that the fact they wouldn't acknowledge at some point, I'm not saying you got to do anything different, but you have to say, you know what? Be a human being. I know you think you're all powerful, you know, Oz, but it, once in a while, I'll just say, you know what? I blew it. I blew it on that one. I just didn't see it. Just, no one's going to be mad at you, or at least lie and say that. At least, yeah. at least, like, like you know, right? Put in the put in the old college try that you're like, uh, sorry yeah. about that, man. Even if you don't really believe it, at least Give try me something. To, try to be a human being. Like, stop being, you know, stop being an automaton and and be be a human being. Be you're supposed to be a role model for the kids, and like the kids are looking at me like, eh. Can we all agree that the officiating is never going to be good? Can we just move past it? Yeah. But you, you can't because it's, it's so – And so you never important. know why, how it's going to be bad. It's not like it's always bad and they always get offside wrong. No, sometimes it's just they just don't know, you know, and the, the thing anything. That, the thing that was – I mean, it's it's rough enough when bad officiating costs a game or gives one team an Correct. advantage. But Correct. at this point, it was bad officiating literally – was a safety issue because yes. the girl should have been there should have been the trainer out there right. that could have got to her two, three, four, five minutes earlier than what she did. And with head injuries, that could sometimes be all the difference. Yeah, you don't know. Thankfully the girl was okay. Yep. She um, missed a couple games because she she was on a quick concussion protocol because they've got new we have a pretty good concussion yes. now. So we're able to get the kids back in the games quicker. So she only missed a couple. But I mean she got targeted the season before. That's what you were player. telling me. She yes, got, she got targeted. So we're very sensitive because she she's now playing D two out of state, doing oh, very well. She's a very very good. good player. She's the best player, best talent, most talented player I've ever coached, boy or girl. And um, because she's a little bit smaller, most teams didn't know how to stop her, so they would just hurt her. Yeah, and and we were... and, and, and nothing ever gets called. And 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 you know some some coaches have um, been great about it, and some coaches not so much. Yeah, and she was a girl that after the uh, after our second game, the rematch, which we'll get to later, um, she was one where she came up very nice, polite kid. We, I had a chance to just a quick minute or two conversation with her. Yep. Um, I'm glad she. I'm glad you said that she was playing D two because at that point, you know, she said she wasn't sure if she wanted to continue playing soccer at the next level. She's so. had a lot of injuries, so, and 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 I think when she got away from it for a while, she. Um, got back to her, you know, her premier stuff and and. I think it's a good move for her. I think she sounds like she's happy. I talked to dad and, and good for good. her. And, 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 you know, and, and I think you get tired of it. You just get, you, you know, most, most of the time coaches, you know, college coaches will tell you when the time the kids are done playing at the college you level, know. they're just, no, they're just glad it's over. Yeah. They, thank God I don't have to do this anymore at this level. You know, and I want to go play pickup soccer. That's fine. Or play men's league or something. That's fine. But like, it's just, you get to the point where it's almost been a job. It's yeah. been a job since you were five years old. Oh, absolutely. And it's... my kids, I, I give my kids credit. They knew that they didn't want their soccer careers to be that. I think I'm very proud of both my kids' soccer abilities. I think that if they had chosen, uh, both of them could have done very well. I'm not saying D1 or something, but I think they could have played at a pretty high level. But they just decided for them personally, they didn't, they, didn't, they wanted balance. They, they wanted to do other things. So my one son was very good at track, and he ended up having really from a – from an accomplishment standpoint, a, ha- a much better track career. But if he would have been a premier soccer player, he would have never done that. Yeah. And, and he'll tell you that, you know, you know, his memories being a, you know, a, a, a winning pretty much every race <laughs> with either himself or as a relay, um, you know, and that's that built his character up in terms of helped to become the person he was. And, you know, when you're on a soccer team, that doesn't win a lot of games, you know, it's, I'm glad he found something that, you know, that, but so for him to not 
play at that level wasn't as important because he wanted to have some balance. But for someone like the the girl in question, this is something she really, really loves. And I was glad that when she told me that she decided to keep playing because I I hate to see because of maybe just you get you get sick of it that or you get whatever you you walk away from it. Yeah. So. And you never want to see that. I mean, you know, sometimes you get burnout with sports, but you never want to see that where you know they could play at the Nelvix level. They might right. want to, but just a bad taste in their mouth. Right. And they left. Yeah. Now, going into that first game, as the bad, the physical play, it was a physical play, yes. relatively clean game. Um, later in that game, our goaltender, George, yes. gets run. Yeah. Which, bad, it, there was bad refereeing, bad refereeing. That personally set me off. Yes, it should have. And it should have and set it, you off. It set me off. It should have set and you again, off. And again, I know your girl didn't intentionally go out there to run her. I know she wasn't. At least I hope. I see. I, <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. I see Uh-oh. a little. I see a little smile on her face. Matt, she's you might tough, have to hold me back. She's, she's a very tough player, and she's aggressive, and that's okay. her job. And 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 I will say that forwards tend to be real ad- aggressive because that's kind of their job. And I'm not saying that she would ever hurt anybody or try to get somebody in person, but she's going to go to the ball. She's she's not afraid. And and just like George isn't afraid to go to the ball. No, absolutely and sometimes not. it's a question of who did it better. And and and. You watch soccer. I watch soccer all the time, and and there's there's calls you look at, and you're like, I'm not sure. I don't know. And I do take her at. I I don't think she actually purposely ran George, but she was going for the ball because she felt like she needed to. They were going for the ball, yeah. and we've always been drilled, and I'm sure you've been to enough coaches meetings where it was always air on the side of the goaltender, air right. on the side of the goaltender, air on the side of the goaltender. Correct. The referee didn't even make. It was another thing. Didn't make a call. George is literally down Out on the ground and, for a while, and yeah. still. Refused yeah. to blow the whistle. Yeah, so yeah, when the goalie's down, you got to blow the whistle. Absolutely, that, that's that's like basic. It's in it's in every sport that has a goalie. Like if 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 you if a goalie is hurt, you got it. Just it's immediate. There's there's ways to restart play, but it, and there are things to make sure that you can't abuse it. No, you know. But I I don't but think I've le- rarely seen. I don't think in all the years I've watched professional soccer or, or just even high school or pr- travel soccer that I've seen a girl, a goalie guy or girl, fa- a goalie fake being hurt. You see guys die and girls, guys yes. more than girls. You see guys dive all the time. Especially, hey, we watch it. We watch Italian I, I see, soccer. Yeah, we watch it. Yeah, yeah that's, they're great actors in Italy. And, and um, but yeah, that one was bad. And yeah. I even have joked, like, I couldn't believe that there wasn't a call. Even it just even if it was just a fall, I don't know if it went as far as a yellow or a red. Or it, now, so if you if you look at if you look, and that's just that section six always makes the it's going to be a yellow instant run, no matter if it's unintentional or intentional. Supposed to be a yellow card. Supposed to be a yellow card. There was no call at all, and that set me off. The fact that he didn't blow the whistle, and I'm sitting there, Jamie's sitting there, screaming yep. at him, "Sir, she's down. George is down. Our goalie's down." Didn't call anything. And the fact that I, after he finally blows the whistle, I run on the field and I, sir, are you kidding me? There's no call. And he's going to get smart with me and make a smart comment. There was no contact. She just went down. I didn't want to play. That set me off. And yeah, I'm loud on the sidelines. What they're not supposed to be doing is in officiating, especially in soccer, they're not supposed supposed to be be engaging. They're not supposed to be engaging with that. But more importantly, they're not supposed to be trying to get into the mindset of a player. No. Like, that's not a thing. Like, you're supposed to be what you saw and you call it one way or the other, and that's it. And absolutely. And if he would have just said, 
I was looking downfield. I didn't see it, which I don't know why you would be looking down there. You should be looking at the play. I missed it. There was a player in front of me, whatever. It was a clear run. Something should have been called. And the fact that he started defending himself and accusing me and my player of doing something and getting smart with me, that set me off. And I got in his face. I honestly should have got a yellow or I don't think it was red worthy, but I should have got a yellow. I backed off, made sure my player was okay. She ended up getting up like a jerk, and I know it's by the rules. He made us take her off. We yeah. had to sub her, which we wanted to make right. sure she was okay. Yeah, you should do that anyway. Um, it right. wasn't a head injury, but I believe it was something with the knee. And she came into the game battered up a little bit. I think it was the third or fourth last game of the season. Um, so she was battered up with injuries. wasn't a head injury. She ended up going right back in. Um, so that set me off and gave me a warning. Then another, I think it was another five minutes into the into the or later in the game, there was another missed call that set me and Jamie off. Right, and Jamie ended up going off a little bit more on the referee. I went off on the referee, which I think set him off. Jamie said something which should not have been a yellow. He turns around, like you said, I don't know if he's flexing his muscle, or whatever. Gives her the yellow card. Gives her a warning. Gets smart with me and looks at me. If you say something again, I'm going to toss you and just, I, I, yep. I, I, again, I'm not a violent man. I don't <laughs> try to be. I like to think I'm pretty laid back, but I got as close. Yeah, I was there. To going off. And, and, and that's what I remember saying to my, co- my assistant coach and my son, you know, after that game, I'm like, yeah, I mean, like. And it just, it doesn't help. It it doesn't, it just, and there are times where, um, there's times where you're, you, you make a show and there's times where you're legitimately pissed and you weren't making a show. No, I was legitimately You weren't making a show. And I think he thought you were just making a show. I think you were performing. No, I've acted better But but I see that all the time. Like they, we get officials come into certain schools and we see it all the time that they're, we're definitely treated differently. Like certain schools are treated differently for different things. Oh, for sure. For whether it's reputation, whether whether and, and players sometimes are the blame for that. And I I constantly talk to my players about you know like the reputation, trying to turn the reputation around of what people think you are going to be like, and um, it is what it is. Yeah, and I mean I I grew up in Niagara Falls, played in Niagara Falls, played Niagara Falls high school soccer. It was you could always tell, and I played travel, I played on other teams at higher levels. And you could always tell every year at Niagara Falls, just playing on that team, we definitely were not given the benefit of the doubt for any calls. I, I, I was president of, 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 a, of the Pal Tru- Niagara Pal Club, and then I was coach for Niagara Pal Club. And my last, one of my last games coaching the best team I ever coached, uh, we won just about everything you know, for a couple of years there. We won a championship. We were that good. And we were a really, really good team. And they weren't. Nobody's going on. Nobody was going on to play at high level college. They were just great soccer players and a great, great group of bunch of guys. And we had a player, and and we had picked up players from a bunch of other communities. So we had some Lewiston guys, we had some Star Point guys, we had one kid from Wilson, and he was, uh, his family's from, uh, you know, uh, is he's uh, Indian, okay, and so he's on my team. His father's probably the richest guy I know. Like without a doubt, his father is international businessman, very wealthy, lots, you know, owns lots of property. Kids on my team, he's playing. We're playing in a relatively wealthy suburb, and uh, the kids on the team, and even a couple parents, are, 
making chants like we know our dads and things like that, which we which is not unheard of for, you know, and they're chanting at this player, you know, go back to your 7-Eleven, go back to your job at 7-Eleven. And and the kid comes off the field. And he's like, I I don't I don't get it. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, they're telling me, like, why do they think I work at 7-Eleven? And I said, because you're so wealthy that you don't realize that there are there's a stereotype of people from your part of the country of, of the world they work in Seven Elevens. He's like, and it, it took him like like a really long time for it to click in his head. And he's like, oh, they think I'm poor because I I play on a Niagara Falls team, and that is what we are up against. And oh, we're given sure. that we're all thugs and murderers, and 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 you know it, it, we I've gotten it I've gotten it as in travel I've gotten it a track. From officials, not from other teams. I've gotten it more from officials, more from the old people. Uh, but I, we definitely have gotten it from, from when we play soccer, especially if we're beating a team. Because a lot of those richer suburbs that we play against quite often in travel would get very upset that our team was beating them. Like in there, and, and we, like I said, it was a really, really good team. And, and most of the games, I think we only lost one game in three years or two years or whatever, you know, whatever, maybe three games in three years, whatever it was. We were really very good. And we beat this, these same teams over and over and over again. And with the home and away, we beat them twice a year. And then they decided to make it about something else. Oh, I loved you know? it. And I, I played on Niagara Pell Travel uh, growing up. Um, that, that was where I played more of the higher level tournaments. And can I tell you how much, how good it felt Going to some of those, some of those uh, nicer, nicer fields, yeah. uh, richer suburbs, where again we would come in and it was more or less we were looked down on oh, yeah. until by halftime we're beating you for nothing. Right. Um, especially it was my junior, the summer going into my junior year of high school, where we just we had a dominant team that year. We had a, we had probably um, Niagara Wheatfields like top four or five players. We had uh, this was back when LaSalle was yeah, still right, in high school. Right. We had a lot of guys from LaSalle who had a really good team that year. Um, I think I was the only lone Niagara Falls player, and we had uh, two or three uh, top guys from NT. And we, I mean, we, I, I think we lost one game, and the only reason we lost it was because uh, a lot of our guys couldn't make it that day. Um, but we just we ran roughshod through the league through a lot of tournaments. Um, I know we won. This was bad. I don't know if they still run the tournament, but the big Fort Niagara tournaments, yep. um, and it was very much. We didn't. We didn't really hear the chance from the crowd, but it was very much coming in. But like, wow, look at this Niagara. team. What is this Niagara? Gonna we're gonna. This is gonna be an easy cakewalk. No, it's, team. And it's been. And it's been that. It's been that. And and I've seen like my runners uh, be treated differently than other runners uh, on track. Again, not from coaches and not from no. kids. It's, it's mostly funny. from officials and it's from officials. And, and I, and I don't want to despair say it's all the officials because no. 75% of 80% of the officials and all the sports that I've involved in, I think are awesome, but some of them are doing it cause it's a great paycheck and, um, and they're not, they're not at their best. They're not, you can tell they're not keeping up on the rules. They just show up. They want to get out there as quick as they can. Uh, they don't want to stop the clock if they don't have to. You know, what can we do to speed it up? What can we do to speed it up? What can we do to speed it up? They want to get in, get get, out, get get your money. And and, and that that leads to problems. That leads to the frustrations, which leads to the problem that I had in our second game. The next week, we had to play you in the crossover. And it was a good game. 
It was a solid it game. Was a, it was a good game back and forth. It was. And there was a bunch of calls that were definitely missed in that game, too. Oh, for sure. Definitely one in the first half that should have been called for sure. And then, then we get to overtime. Now, this is, let's be honest. I know where you're going it's with this. It's a crossover sectional game. And we're the, we're, neither one of us are moving on. No. I think we had only won. I think we had only won three games. Neither that year. one of us. No, we're not, are, this, it's, this are, is it. This is this it. is our this championship. This is our last game, and it's just a good way. And it's we're in the, the last, you know, the second overtime, and we get a call where my goalie comes out, interferes with your player, but then our goalie didn't get the benefit of the doubt. So, see, I, I remember it a little differently. I remember where our our player came in. And it was, I don't know if it was the player that you mentioned earlier, but somebody who... This is a different player. Okay. Where a girl wasn't, again, wasn't intentional, but took our girl down from inside the box. In in all honesty, if you're asking me in all honesty, even if I wasn't coach, I mean, again, you never want to see a game end like this, especially that type of game right. where it was back and forth. It was hard fought. I think there was five minutes left in double overtime. Even, it wasn't even Maybe not minutes. even that. It was like maybe two and a half minutes. And uh, and it was a it nothing was, and it was clearly it, it wasn't intentional for her wasn't to come on it. But there was and, contact. And, but the thing is though they didn't call anything else. And that's that my is, problem. That's true. That's I, my I problem. Give you that. That's when you decided to suddenly be an official? Like <laughs> that's this and that's and that's the other one when I've you've never seen me. No one, I've, my players have seen never off. ever seen off me players. go off and go off on the field. I went out onto the field and refused to yes, leave the did. field. And they were so chicken about it, they wouldn't even come confront me. No. I was literally standing at the circle, and she did not have the guts to come up and talk to me no. and say, you got to get off the field. But this was another game where George got run again. And I will tell you, in the first half, it definitely should have been a PK when she got run. I mean, I'm, uh, PK. Not it should have been, been a penalty. It should have been a card in the first one when she came in and when my player interfered. I've, I've agreed to that one, that that one was definitely a card. And I was, I was hot about that one. And I don't know if you even saw this. But, I don't even know if you saw me do it. But when I ran over, I, like, looked at you guys on the, on the sideline. And I was like, are you Jamie, kidding Jamie, me? Jamie did look at me, too. And, okay. I, and I felt bad. And I talk, remember, I talked to you guys yes, about it yes, later. Yes. And I did. Because, again, I'm a professional. And, and, and you don't know what's in the mind of the kids. And I've no. talked to the kid. And, but I see that same girl, the, the one girl in the question that we're talking about, that not not the one and the other one, but this one girl, man, that girl gets targeted every game now. Every single game, everybody play because now she can dribble inside of most of these players, and they just wreck her. I had a player yesterday. We're losing a game by a fair amount, and it's nothing left, no time left in the game, maybe a minute left in the game. And my player makes a run, gets by this team's really good player, and she hockey checks. This girl's about at least a foot taller than my player. Hockey checks my girl out of bounds, lands on the ground, and she has bruised ribs. No call. Now, one thing, I, not it, even, not even a, not even a foul. Oh like, no, it wasn't. This was yesterday. This was twelve hours, twenty four hours ago. And this girl now is had to go for X. I'm waiting. I'm still waiting for a text. Who to was find it her. against? Uh, well, I don't want to start calling out team names. Okay. I'm not going to do that. Um, but, no, but anyways, and I don't I, blame the coach. No. I blame, and I, I only blame the player to some extent because of players only. They, they. Players are, have to be kept in shot. That's why I have officials. That's why, and and if you. That's the only way if they you notice. If you notice early on in a game, you can usually tell within the first five, ten minutes of a game if you've got an official that's going to call everything that's or if you've bad. got an official that's going to let everything yep. go. And 
it gets borderline dangerous when you have an official that lets everything go. Now, I you probably have, have you ever done this in a game and whether whatever level it is, obviously we don't do this in track, but in soccer or other sports, um, realize that it's going to be that kind of day oh, and absolutely. you literally take out all your smaller players are going to get broken. I've yes. literally taken players off the field and at halftime well, said we're, we're a small team, so I, we can't take ever, all I, our small. But players I mean, out. I take anybody that's like too young that I'm worried about oh, getting hurt. Sure. I've literally like you're not. They may be my best skilled players and I'm just going to put out people that are probably more durable because I just don't want to have that happen. And I've I literally one point uh, a couple of years ago, this was actually me and another coach this was travel. So this has got to be maybe seven, eight years ago. We had a game like that, and I think my the team I was coaching was like U15 or something, and it was so ridiculous that we took out we took out um, all the players that we were afraid were going to get hurt, and we kind of left some other guys in there, and we basically we just we let the last four or five minutes go with ten players, and I said, no, we're not putting anybody else on the field. I said because you you all you're letting these guys do is just. Yeah. Purposely. Now they're just targeting my guys. Like they're literally just targeting because I had three guys hurt and I was like, no, I'm not putting anybody else on the field. I mean, I took a guy off and I, no, you need another one. I'm like, no, I don't. I, I If I could have walked off the pitch, I would have just, I should have just walked off the pitch. Oh, for sure. You know? And I think, I think that even with being smaller players, like I, even when I played, I mean, I was five foot five. I think in high school, I never got more than like a buck 30. Um, there were players that, I mean, there were times, especially going against teams, where I was getting tossed around like a ragdoll. Yeah. And again, sometimes it wasn't even necessarily dirty play. They were doing it, you know, by the book, but they're giving me a hard shoulder here, it's, a hard shoulder there. Most of the time when they're doing it, though, they're doing it and they're not playing the ball. And, and there yes. is discretion. And as a former certified ref, I can tell you that you're supposed to. And I stopped doing it. And I'll tell you, why do I stopped roughing? Because I hated hanging out with the refs. That's fair. I didn't like yeah. this. I didn't like the attitude when I went to the meetings. I yeah. I I, I I started refing before I played or before I started coaching. I refed I think my sophomore year in college. I did it one year. I will never. I don't care how much they pay. Some of them are very good refs. I'm not saying they aren't good, aren't talented people. No, but what I they, didn't a like lot was of them I didn't have like. A God complex. I didn't like that. Yeah, there was definitely like we are why people come. Like it was that weird. Yes. I've heard that with hockey refs before. There's an attitude with hockey refs. I'm, I don't know anything about hockey refing, but I've heard other guys I know that do those things, and they said yeah, like, and there's definitely a mentality within. Um, our local refing, and I'm sure it's across the country. I don't think it's just our local. And some of them are very good refs. And I have a, three or four guys that I, I really like that are refs. But there were certain guys that, like, you know, I just, they just, when they would talk and you'd go to the trainings and they would talk about, and this is how you get two cards for the price of one. Like, how to red card a kid you don't like. That was actually a topic in a meeting. Oh, you know there are referees You're, ca- you're going out of your way to t- target a 12-year-old? Oh, from a game sure. from last year? Like, yep. that's what we're doing? That's what we're getting paid $25 an hour to do? Now, oh, yeah. I'm out, guys. Take care. There are a lot yeah. of refs that, I don't know if I've seen refs target kids, but I know there are referees, and I've talked to referees that target specific schools. Yeah. Like, they'll have it against them. And some of those players, and I've, I've coached a few of those players, that they don't know how to control themselves on the field. And they've caused problems in other games. And they set themselves up. I get that. But that, that doesn't mean that, as an adult, that you get to go in with the mentality that you're no. going to go after that kid. Especially as an official. You have to go into every single game like it's a brand yeah. new game. Oh, like definitely. it's your first time yeah. seeing these kids. Like it's your first time seeing your athlete. Yeah. If you go in with bias, that's that's not what officiating is. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's automatically just giving the other team an advantage. And it's some of the referees, it's been sickening. 
Um, but anyways, going back to that second game, like I said, you never want to see a game end like that. And, you know, it was the, the, the call that set you off was the PK with, like you said, probably about two or three minutes left um, where we ended up scoring on it and we won the game. Uh, I was it one nothing. I can't even remember what yeah, the final it was. A was. One nothing. I know it was, it was two to one. Two to one. It was, it was, it was a one. great game back and forth, and I just felt really bad. And I will tell you that I'm still a teacher first, and I loved the girls that I coached last year, and I many of them, especially for a COVID year, uh, lost so much. And the, many of them came out for soccer because they lost their swim season, which some of them ended up getting, they did get swim back. But at that point, they didn't know that. Um, and they didn't ex- you know if there would be a lacrosse season. So many of them were just looking to have some type of something positive something to do normal. in their senior year. And, you know, we got, and they all came out for soccer because they heard it was a fun environment. And we had a great, we had a great fun, fun season. And I just hated that it had to end that way after the, the shit show that had been roughing for the last two games that I had to do. Like, now you're going to call a call? Now you're going to make a call? Like, that's my thing. If they have been calling everything, then I wouldn't have had a leg to stand on. But now you decided? You set the, like, it's kind of like, you know, watching baseball. And again, I know nothing about baseball, but they always say, like, you can tell at the end of the first inning what the strike zone's going to be, right? That's what you always hear, right? Yeah. But then all of a sudden, in the eighth inning, you change the strike zone. Well, wait a second. The first seven innings... That was never a strike. All of a sudden, that's a strike? And that's what everybody loses their marbles on is the inconsistency. Yes. And that was my thing. There was other things that got let go because it was with those two officials in particular. Um, and again, the fact that they wouldn't even confront me, even though I was on the field asking for an explanation, um, and I was a jerk, and I was, I was, looking, I was looking to be carded. I, was lo- I wanted to be carded so I could say, I'm going to card. I want you to come card me. I was. I think I even yelled that out. Come card me. I am not. Oh, leaving you the, did. I'm you not did. leaving the field till you come. And then finally, like, why don't you like? I go. See, so you're not even. And then I just. Then I just shamed him to some extent in my mind. Like, so you're not even going to come tell me that you're going to stand hide over there. Going to hide over there on the line, really? And then they ran for the car. Like, I mean, like, am I that intimidating of a guy? I'm like five nothing, and <laughs> and you know, like, give me a break, you know. And you know, her, and the other her partner wasn't much better. So. I was going to say, you might be one of the only coaches in the league that I'm taller than. But. I'm not the tallest guy. <laughs> that's not a brag. That's, yeah, that's not a brag. That's, I'm all right with that. Uh, but. but no, it's – and I think just – and again, those two games and, – and the first game was very close. I think the first game was only uh, – I think it was 3-1. 3-1, 3-2, something like that. And then, I mean, and they was, were both good games. And, I, and you played better than us in the first game. You definitely deserved the win in the first game. And I think the second game deserved to be in a tie. Or, you know, like it should have been. And, it, it, and I look back on it and probably whatever. I mean, and, and I, I don't have like, you know, videotape memory of exactly no. how it happened. But I just, again, I always try to feel like there's a, sometimes there's a bigger picture that that we forget about an education. And I think sometimes there's just, eh, Mike, do I need the, like, cause there's definitely other stuff. They went, eh, I don't need to call that. So how do you get to that point? And that's my, yes. that's my level of consistency. I'm looking forward to fu- tomorrow. I think it'll be fun. I, think I have tomorrow- a feeling we might get to play you get- twice. I feel I, like I think I have a good chance. We've got a good chance to play you guys twice. I think so. we're, I think it'll be two more victories yeah. for us. Okay. Well, I hope they, I hope someone gets some victories because we need, them. I don't want another like a uh, th- uh, second overtime, uh, bad dis- officiating uh, uh, PK. No. Uh, listen, that's one thing. I, you know, Obviously, we want to win. We're going to come out hard. But however the game ends, please, 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 one way or another, for us, against us, I, I hate in soccer when games end or are decided by a penalty shot. Yeah, it, I yeah. hate it. 
I honestly, honestly, in cases like that, if a kid's brought down on the 18, I'd rather have them go to hockey. But like, listen, your team's just going to play down one man for the next two, three minutes. Right. I hate, and I, 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 I love soccer. I hate the penalty shot because it's just so much. And Matt, you can attest to this because you were a goaltender. It's just so much of an advantage to the shooter, to the shooting team. Right. Um, I mean, in hockey, you know, yeah, you have the shootout and decides after overtime. But I just feel like they have a better chance. And maybe I'm wrong. I don't know the percentages. But I feel like a hockey goaltender has a better chance of making a breakaway shootout goal than a— Well, it's, there's lots of—yeah, there's, there's a lots of ways to—with commitment. You're not going to commit to a side and everything. And obviously the guy can have a—but, it, no, it's—, it's it's a lot more space. It's, it's just it's a question of area of, of you know surface area. Yeah, there's a lot more places to shoot. I mean, Matt, as a goaltender, I mean, what are, what's going through your thought when when not just in PKs, like not if it gets to a shootout, but if there's a actual penalty in a game, especially a close game, as a goaltender, what's going through your mind facing uh, a, a penalty shot in a um, game? Well, usually it's unlucky because most of the time. If it's that close of a game, the best players always have the ball. Of course. So if if there's a foul, say I'm I'm in goal, and then there's either a free kick or a PK, or um um yeah, it's it's usually the best player who gets fouled because they're trying to do everything right. for the team. So now you're just like um well, <laughs> and that's another thing. I in hockey, if you get called on a penalty shot, you have to take it. If you were the right. player hauled down, soccer, you like you said, if it's happened to be a midfielder in there, right. he does he just got pulled down. You could literally point to all right. And I always, I rarely have never given. um, In most cases, I I I had one situation where I had one guy that really felt like he needed goals, so I would let him take the PKs, and he was pretty good at it. But he couldn't score from the field, so we we would let this one guy take some PKs. But in general, if my player gets the one taken down, they get the PK. Yeah. I you usually know. do that unless I'll look at the players. Sometimes I've had. Sometimes players, they don't want. Yeah. It. Sometimes some no, no, players no, don't let, like it. Yeah. My own kids hate the PK. But they, was, my my kids, my both my sons were, were were attacking players, and they were both pretty good at scoring. And neither one of them liked taking PKs. I was never really that into taking PKs. Yeah. I would I took them. I was usually decent at them, but I was more even on the field. I was more of the guy setting up the assist, right. the guy making the cross. Um, but Matt, sorry to interrupt you. So what else? Like what's what's going through your mind there? Um, well, so say if I was like when I played in the field like if I was a midfielder or something and I saw PK happen and it was against our team and most of the time you know unless the person's really bad at making a PK or the goalkeeper's fantastic at reading body language or just right. guess lucky or whatever um you know if you feel bad but you know you're just like okay well it was a PK it's like yeah. what else is going to happen if you're the goalkeeper it's it's more like because if it was a wide shot and some like deflection gets hit or something off of a player and you just couldn't get there, okay, well, there's some factor. But this is like you guess and you commit to one side. And that's the hardest part to teach a goalkeeper is like don't just stand Well, it's there. funny because one of the first things you always tell the goaltenders is come out. Exactly. Yeah, and you but, can't. And this is the and like I thought it'd be I always thought it'd be kind of funny, and I've debated this with funny. I know it never changed. But it'd be kind of interesting thing is if the goaltender could come out on the PK. Now you yes. can't even leave your line. No. But it'd be it it'd be interesting if there when they that if the goaltender would have 
Gave him fifty. Give him a shot. Let yeah. him come out and see if they and, can cut the angle. Because it would make a difference on a bottom of Chapikes if oh, they could come sure. off. If they could come off their line, at least let him come up in the six box or run yeah. around the six box or something. Give him something. So, I, don't, I mean, I'm not saying I know exactly, but it would make it more interesting. And and put and more I, pressure on the shooter. It, it, it too. puts more pressure on the shooter if the you know the goalie's not just going to stand there and go like this. Because I've certainly seen that. Because a lot of them just aren't going to be big enough, even at the professional level. Some of them you can tell like I'm not this like you know. There's some guys that are just, you know, they're they're 60% taken from, they go left, 40% they go right, and they're 10 for 10. Like, uh, am I going to stop this guy? I'm not stopping this yeah. guy. And then you get, you know, like, what's his face? The go- Mexican goaltender stops everything. Yeah. You know, like, and, and there's guys that are just really good at it, and they get amped up, and they can do it. High school, not so much. High no. school, you generally, you know, um, but it, it's, it's one of those things that's hilarious. Like, yeah. it's just, it, it's... And I, I agree. I hope that they're just good games and it doesn't come down to a PK. No, I agree. And I I'd rather lose two to nothing than oh, lose I'd, to one to nothing on a PK. I'd rather lose And even win one way. to nothing on a PK. I yes. don't even like I've never I never watched my kids take the PKs. I can't do it. My heart can't take it. I've never no. watched a game that I've coached, I've never watched my kid take the PK. I just turn it and I don't even look. I look down the field, I look at my clipboard, I don't watch it. I just don't look at it. I don't want to see it. And then usually I just listen to the crowd. I can tell if my guys are screaming or my girls are screaming. I know we scored. I can, I can tell. Um, you know. I, I've, I did that early in my career where I would just I'd, – I'd look away. I'd turn around. I'd wait for the reaction, whether it's from my bench, whether it's right. from my team, or I'd look straight at the ground. Now, though, I'm just I, – I, I'm like, you know what? I need to look. I need to see where it went, how we missed it, whatever, how we played it. But like you said, in high school, it seems like nine out of ten times the only if the goaltender the guy either, just misses, he skies it or something. Well, that's just it. The goaltender's the either post. gotta pray for that they guess the right way right. for whatever reason. Or the guy's or bad at just, it. He yeah, pulls a messy in the world cup. Shooting just misses the misses, puts it into the crowd. Yeah. You know? And even even the Euro the the Euro Cup this year, I love the fact that Italy won it. I hated the fact that they had to win it on PKs. Right. I I I do not right. at any point because then there's teams that'll play for that at that level. Oh, they'll, for they, sure. They'll just not. They'll put nine guys in a box and try to get the PKs. Yeah. and see if they can get to the PKs. So. Um, now that's just that making a good rivalry. Do you think those last two games last year? Do you think that has any carryover effect? And do you think are you? Oh, definitely. Use it? Yeah, and we've talked about it. We didn't good, like because we used I didn't it a little bit too. I, didn't, I I had 16 seniors last year. Um, the, yeah, I was say you graduated gone. a lot. So I only have two returning, uh, th- three returning players that were well, maybe a few more because the tenth graders are around. So maybe five returning players, and that are that were at that game. And um, did they yeah. did they remember it, or did did they need you to tell them? Like, did they already have it in the back of their mind? Hey, remember what happened last year, Coach? Remember what to happened? To be honest, last year? we didn't talk about it that much. We uh, because the girls that were really mostly affected by it. They're not gone. here. They're gone. So the tenth graders, I mean, that are they were ninth graders last year. They, I think, they were just so psyched to be on the team, and they really enjoyed the environment, and they did very well. But they, they, and they've all risen to the occasion this year and played quite well. And um, and I think like it's the beginning of a rivalry, but I don't think like the specifics of that game are in their mind. No, and I know our team. Um, we graduated only, a few, I think, two or three players last year. Um, so we're we're a young team last year, still a relatively young team. Only have uh, one, two seniors on the team this year, um, and we're primarily heavy in the. We've got a lot of juniors, a lot of sophomores, a lot of juniors. Um, so I think a lot of the a lot of the girls have mentioned it um, in this week coming up to practice, but it was never like um, we've got to go out there and beat them. We got to go out there and beat them. It was just more or less like that was a fun game. 
I hope it's another competitive game like That's that. That's what I we hope want. It's another competitive game. Like I mean, that. I have, I have, I have some seniors. Three are starters. I have some, a couple of juniors, and then I have tenth graders, ninth graders, and eighth graders. That's what I'm playing right now. And and I think in a couple of years they're going to be really good, especially with the woman that Leah, who's taken over for me when I re, since I'm retiring. I think um, her transition into this position is she's she's a very talented soccer player within her own right. She's 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 done everything that the, and she's she's the right fit for these girls. And I think that she's going to do wonders, not just with the girls that she's have in front of her. I think she's going to do wonders with the program. I think she just knows she's the right fit for young women in my town. I think she's going to find players and look for players, and she's just going to be tremendous. Wait a minute. Did you say – so is this is this your it? This is, is it. This is the swan song? This is it. This is, so this wait, is, this is, this is this the is, last dance. I'm Michael this Jordan. This is the last chance I, I get to the last dance. This, this is, is the last chance I get to – This know, is we, Well, we unless we get there. two more games. I don't know. Like, this is this is it. You can you – can, that's why it's kind of funny thing for a rivalry. I finally have a rivalry, and I'm leaving it. Like, I'm like <laughs> – I was going to say – Like, I'm out, you know. Because honestly, if we put together another solid game, like another – competitive game like last year and even a crossover game were two solid competitive yeah, games. Yeah, that will be great for me. I, I and think I, you've got a and, great rivalry And building. I I think you're right. I think because the last four games, I think the last two and the, and the next two, and even the season before my first year that I coached, we had a couple really good games against, one really good game because we didn't see you in the second round. Um, but So the last three games have been all really good competitive games. And um, and um, and then I think that I think tomorrow's is going to be really good and I think if we end up with a crossover game, it'll be good too. And that probably, brought, I think that unless I probably have a sectional game, I don't know if we're going to have the we'll have our sectional game or not. I, I still haven't understand exactly how the sectionals are going to go. I was going to ask you off air. I don't know if it's like last year where you needed a 500 record at least to qualify. I or think they're they going to make me play, to... and I think that that's just silly, you know. But it is what I mean. It's a nice experience for the younger kids, so I'll do it because it's a nice experience for the younger kids. But that's like. I'm not saying I like want to walk because I tell everybody all the time. If you think about it, unless 99% of high school athletes, when they walk off the pitch, the court, get out of the pool, the course, whatever it is, you lost. Yeah. And- Most coaches get fired after their last game. Yeah. Right. They're, they didn't win. That's why they get fired. And that's some of them never coach again. There's some guys that get to retire on a high note. There's some guys that win the world series or the, Super Bowl and get to retire. Some guys that are seniors and they win state championship and they ret- and that's it. Their career is over. But most of those guys probably want to play college and they're not going to be. They're not going to have the career they probably had in their high school. No. So most of the time, the last game you play is probably a loss. And there's and that's really and that's my to be honest. My I'm so much more about coaching people than athletes, and I'm so much more about like the big picture. Uh, and I'm like, you know what? If you're a track kid, there's somebody faster. And there's somebody slower, and and it's just a question of the you know. But you're not going to ever be the fast. You're not going to be the fastest guy on the planet, and but you're not the slowest guy on the planet. So just go out and do your best and get better yeah. next week. And and to me, like that's the life lesson. I'm much more about. I'm. I guess I'm at that point where I'm like I'm. I'm trying to teach life lessons more <laughs> than I'm teaching soccer. You know, soccer to me is a means to an end. It's about making people better people. That's what I like about coaching. I don't know if you watched Ted Lasso, but like I'm, uh, I did not. I'm, soccer I, is life. Soccer is football, life. Football is life. And 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 I love the show. I watched the first season. I'm super excited that they won, um, uh, that they won seven Emmys because I'm a huge fan of the series. I was the one telling everybody to watch the show when the first series came out. Because you, you haven't watched season two I, yet. I, no, I on purpose. 
On per- well, I, so you want to binge it? I want to binge it, but I also don't want to do it. Be- I didn't want to do it before soccer. I'm waiting till my soccer coaching career is over, and then I want to watch it. I made a so like conscious the, the, decision. The retrospect. I want to. I want to just watch it and not think about. I don't want to be thinking about like, well, can I use it? Like, I don't want. I just want to be done because this is when I'm done coaching in a couple, three weeks, whatever it turns out to be. Um, that's it. I don't know when I'll coach soccer again. Like, that's he'll, it. He'll be back. I don't he'll know. Maybe back. I'll coach. But I don't think I'll ever be a head coach again. I can't see me coming back in a school district scenario. I can see maybe someday, like, my grandkids want to play, and I'll, like, help my son or, you know, <laughs> my, you know, my, 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 you know, my, my, um, daughter-in-law or something coach i could see maybe doing that but i don't think i'll ever be a head coach of, of a soccer team ever again at least i probably shouldn't be let's put it that way <laughs> like but no it's kind of like it's i'm looking for, so yeah i'm purposely waiting to watch ted lasso uh the season two i'm kind of waiting till the season's over i want to just kind of take a day and just kind of watch it all i'm not going to give anything away on it because i don't want to be that guy but uh i absolutely look forward to it Every single uh, it is, Friday. It, and I'm glad that it won because it's definitely one of the best shows I've ever seen. And obviously I had a connection to it because I love soccer. Soccer in my family has been transformative. Um, yeah. It, I know because I know you guys have gotten a chance to go over to England yep. and catch a couple of premier games. Um, uh, it defined my children. Absolutely. Like the game defined my children at a young age. It was the first thing that they both did that they were good at. And I think it made a huge difference in their life because they were good at it. And then they found their passion in it, uh, even in fandom. Like, you know, my son, Zach, is a huge Chelsea fan. And we got to the Champions League. And my other son is a Manchester City fan. So we Uh get to the Champions League final. And City's already basically already won the league. And Chelsea's struggling to get fourth place for sure to get back into Champions League. And Zach's nervous about this. He wants his team to be in Champions League. And we get to the final, and Chelsea beat us. Chelsea beat City. And and they deserve the Champions League. And Zach's lethargic, like, tears that his team won <laughs> Champions League is we all want our team to win, but I've never, I mean, like, I think it'd be like, again, like a Buffalo Bills fan can understand this desire to win that Super Bowl or whatever it is that if it would have even last year it would have just been the AFC Championship to go to the Super Bowl. It, that 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 like it met, even his brother, who was the City fan, said, "I was glad that City lost that City lost to Chelsea in this game because to be honest, Chelsea wanted it more and I Zach Zach wanted it more than I because we'd already won the league. So for us the champions like well it's like icing on the cake. Where where Zach was like this was." Especially, you know, he's a huge Frank Lampard fan who got fired. And then he's got to embrace the new coach. And the new coach is just freaking amazing. And, and, and shut us down in multiple games. Shut down a lot of teams. And, like, I'm looking at Chelsea. So, like, for us, fan, and, again, it became part of our vacations. And it became, you know, our, you know, like, just so much of my kids, our, what we do on the weekends. It's like, it, for us, soccer has become, especially English Premier League, has become such a way of life for our family. Now, how does how does that happen? How is how in the same household? Because it's not like here, like you know, if you're a Bills fan, you, you know, if you grow up in Western New York or you're a Bills fan, Sabres fan, how does that like? A, how did a, we end up with those teams? Yes, how Man a Man City and Man City and Chelsea? Like we, how? St- we knew we we knew that you don't like United, like because that's okay. like that's Fair like enough. the people Fair that are enough. like, well, I'm a Yankees fan. Like what? Fair enough. Like in, in the original Ted Lasso bit when he was when they where the Ted Lasso character came from when EPL uh, got picked up by. 
ES, uh, NBC Sports. And can I tell you, I just, my brother oh, literally. You didn't know about that commercial? No, my brother just told me about that last week because yeah. I was telling him about, he was That's like, where the character you watch came the from. YouTube commercials? Yeah. And I, I watched the, those were the it's funniest things in the world. But, yeah, I, and, 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 um, but, but we were, we were talking about picking a team and, and Zach had already kind of been watching soccer a little bit anyway. So this is, uh, this was many years ago because Zach was like, I want to say he's eight or nine. I'm not sure. I'd have to go back and look at, think about the year. And he just decided, and I think it was, he watched a game and he was, he played the same position as Frank Lampard. Okay. And he just really liked Frank Lampard. And I think he just, then he started, you know, Googling Chelsea and he, I, and he liked and he heard about, you know, different characters, you know, like Drogba and like, he just started to become a big fan of players on the team. And it wasn't, and it was, and it was legacy players, not like hot, like flash in the pan kind of players to come for a couple of years and go. And then at the same time, Christian and I were trying to pick a team and we said, we can't pick United and, and we're not picking Tottenham and we're not going to, and we wanted to pick somebody and we, we, uh, 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 city, Manchester City had gotten a new owner, and we heard that they were starting to invest in the team a little bit. We we found that online on some article, and then they signed. We were watching a lot of Italian soccer, and we watched Sergio Aguero play. Okay, at, with Atletico, and he left Atletico, and he's going to City. And Christian really liked Aguero, and because they're kind of built the same, they kind of the same. They played the position very similar as far as a little kid can be. And we just became, he became an Aguero fan. And I just kind of liked where city was going. And I liked the fact that they were kind of like the other city for Manchester. They were the real city. Like Manchester United Stadium's not even in Manchester. So no. to me, it's kind of like, it's kind of like Buffalo. Buffalo's the real New York team. It, so, and the giants and the jets. So are playing in our in mind, in our mind, rooting for Manchester city was kind of like rooting for the bills. And that's kind of in our mind. Manchester's kind of like a steel town. It's kind of like got a lot of the same like blue collar mentality. And they were called the Noisy Noibers because they're just these. You know, they're the they're kind of they're kind of like Bill's Mafia, the fans. So and that was even before Bill's Mafia was like the term. And that's kind of how we pick City. And then we said, now we can't change. Oh can't, no! They draft this guy or they sign this guy like they sign somebody tomorrow. Like we can't just suddenly go and pick another team. No, there's no flip flopping. You know, once you pick a team, you, especially in the English Premier League, once you're set, you're set, and you got to stay with them. Like so, you got to hate Tottenham, you got to hate Liverpool, especially because of Klopp, because you got to hate that guy, and like you just hate United. You want United to lose. You want you don't care if United. It, it, you just want to beat United twice a year. Like, that's your yes. thing. Like, it's like when I used to play. It's like beating the Patriots. I want to beat. The, no, even worse than that for my generation's older year, I want to beat the Dolphins twice a year. Like, I didn't. Oh, I, when Marino I was a Dolphins. kid, I just want to beat the Dolphins twice a year. I didn't care if we lost every other game. Just beat the Dolphins twice. Because that was before. That was before Tom Brady and Patriots stunk back then. They were never good. Patriots were awful. They were awful. And now for they're a lot back to being awful. And, and now, now they'll now be they're, awful. They're for... the Patriots. The world, the universe is correcting itself. Say, the world is, the world <laughs> is right again. If the Colts can just not have all their guys get hurt over there, poor Matt on the other side. I see his hands coming up. You know, poor Paul Colts. Carson 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 Wentz double ankle sprain. Sprained That's, two ankles on one play. I don't, I, I how just, do you? He was he retire. jumping out a hell of a helicopter without a parachute? How do you sprain both ankles at the same time? <laughs> just tape them up, man. Tape them up. Oh, I'm telling you. Yeah. But uh, no, so that's and I think that's that's interesting, too, because usually like Bills, you know, you just it's a hometown team. You're born here. You watch yeah. the Bills. You watch the Sabres. That team's broke my heart. I, I, I root for them. 
The Sabres or the Bills? The Bills. I just, I can never love again. I just, like, they broke my heart too many times. I'm finally, it's, I'm finally back. They were, especially five, six, seven, eight, ten years no, ago. I was to the no. point where, oh, my God, I can't, I, I can't do and this anymore. And I was anymore. excited last year. I can't year, do this anymore. But I just can't, I just can't do it again. I have I'm other things you. that I got to, like, be passionate about. Like, I'm in a bad mood. If City loses, like, the other day, and they, like, terrible a tie, and I'm like, you can't, like, what? Like, I'm just, I'm in a rot mood for, like, six hours. So I can't then watch a Bills game, and then be, if they, they're bad, I, like, I can't be 12 hours in and being mad at sports. No, I'm fine. I'm, I'm all in. Even last year, before that, you could just, for me, it was, it was not even just buying into the, the players. It was more buying into the coaching staff. It was this, I would agree they with finally, yes. they finally look like. Like they have a philosophy. Yes. They have a plan. Right or wrong, they actually have a plan. Not just let's do this, let's do that. Let's maybe hire this guy, maybe hire this guy, cheap out and hire this guy. It's they actually have. A I don't plan, think a they philosophy. knew what they were getting. No, I think they got lucky. They got lucky. I think they, they really got lucky. They had no idea who they were hiring. No, just, either one, including the general manager. I think they both. I because look at they continue to like do crazy things on the other their other sport and and it's just like oh the, my are god are the Sabers like, still a team can the Sabers be relegated to the AHL I, I'm telling you I, we talk about this all the time on on our we used to do a soccer show back with me and my sons and another guy that you guys are starting their own podcast and one of the discussions what shouldn't shouldn't hockey have relegate if oh, hockey had relegation like the EPL or just soccer in general at this point the Sabers you, might be down to what's lower than yeah, the AHL well, what is that like right, the, the yeah. OHL and let the let's just Ramers come up you know because or, I mean, seriously, like, I mean, it would obviously never, ever happen. But, no, but it I mean, should. It, it should. And I mean, you know, I think it'd be fun if baseball tried it. I think base, even if they relegate the bottom team, I'd love to see yeah. some team from like some other have some. I, again, I think would it would injuvenate some of these sports that are kind of getting a little tired. And not only that, it would kind of force your owners to instead of just having a team and not putting any money into right. it or just spending recklessly or right. whatever, it would force them to invest because. You, there's there's a big difference in profit margins from the NHL. I get in fights with people AHL. all the time about how I love soccer, especially EPL, because there's no playoffs. Yeah, it's it's not about peaking. You no. got to peak every effing week for 38 weeks. Yep. And if you can, and you got to play, you got to play two tournaments. You're playing like City's got four games and. Fourteen days or whatever the heck it is. Sounds like our schedule. Well, we're I mean, coming yeah. off of. I don't know how you. But this is oh, tomorrow. It's tomorrow will be our seventh game in. Ten days. Well, Seventh I, game in I ten have, days. I That's have more unbelievable. games than practices. Once we start. Yesterday, or sorry, today was our first practice in probably yeah, a we week and a half. We practiced today. We barely and it was practiced super light. Like, we had homecoming last week, so we didn't really do a lot of practices because the kids did so many other things. So last week we had crazy. four games. Uh, we had four games. We didn't have four, but we, we were, it was insane. We had three, but no, counting Saturday, we had four crazy. games. That's too much. It was no, it was nuts. And then this week. We had Lockport yesterday. We'll have you guys on on Wednesday, and then we'll have uh, another game Niagara Wheatfield on Friday. We had three games the first week, which was killer because it was a short week too. So we had four, three games in five days, and then we turned right around. So we we were we were hurting. Yeah, no, it's been it's been ridiculous. Yep. Um, that's another thing we're gonna talk. How's the time commitment? I know for talk a little bit about the time commitment just from being a head coach. Doing three sports like I do, there are sometimes, especially track and field, even soccer, there are sometimes where you're getting up. You're, I, I know for me, I leave the house about six fifty so that I can go teach. I go straight from teaching to soccer. If I have practice, I'm lucky if I'm home by five thirty six. 
if I have a game, especially a night game, like tomorrow, uh, like tomorrow I'll be lucky if I'm home by 930. Um, I mean, you're talking about being out of the house, um, and I just got married in June. Um, you're talking about being away from your family for 12, 13, 14 hours at a time. Well, one of the reasons I got lucky because I got in the coaching because my kids were there anyway. So, Very true. So I lucked out because I was with my kids anyway. Um, and my obviously I'm not – my wife's not there. But, you know, we, my wife and I have always – she always knew that, like, she was marrying a teacher. So she knew that this is who I was. And we we set priorities at certain times when the kids were little. Um, when I when my kids were getting old enough, uh, I had to step away from some of the activities that I did uh, when my kids started to get to school age because I really didn't want my kids to be going to latchkey or something after school so I could work with other people's kids. So what I started doing is I would go and I would pick up uh, you know, I would pick up uh, my kids at three o'clock, go home with them, do their homework. My wife would come about five thirty. I would go back to school to do the things I had to do. So my drama club and all the things I was doing at those ages were kind of like when you were in school. We would do it at six. We didn't practice at three. We rehearsed at six. Yes. And then, so you guys I remember as students would come to, from track or soccer or whatever, and then and you'd we'd be in the theater at the old Niagara Falls High School nine o'clock, and 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 I and and but. I, I always found ways to make it work, um, and, and it's a huge time commitment, but um, I, I always tried to find ways to make sure they were probably, like, I always tried to find ways to make sure that my kids the, the, and my wife, there was something in there, like, so they were getting me, and, and when I am home, and that's the reason I stopped watching football a lot on Sundays, because when my kids were little and we were doing so much, and then suddenly finally get a day off, and then I'm going to turn on and watch E.J. Manuel or some other terrible oh, guy. Don't bring him up. You know, or some various other miscellaneous guy that was going to be the guy, and this coach was going to be the guy. How many times we heard that this was going to be the guy? And there was like 30 of those guys, and they were all gone, and none of them should be playing in the sport or coaching ever again. But I realized that on those Sundays, that's when I needed to do things. With my, I would Sunday became the day that I made sure everybody was the focus. Whether I was sitting with my little kids doing Legos for 10 hours, we would do Legos for 10 hours. It was just, it, it, it is definitely a time commitment. It just, you just have to be. You just have to find ways to make sure that uh, the, the, the time you're spending is quality and not just quantity. Oh, for sure. And I know uh, my wife, Vicki, we just got married in June. Um, in fact, we got married during track season yeah. where I took a lot of uh, – we, we did our honeymoon after the season. Uh, yeah. We did our honeymoon in July, but I took a lot of guff from a lot of NFL coaches where I literally had my uh, wedding on uh, June 5th. And I think it was the day, the next day, or no, sorry, it was the day before was um, the NFL meet. Right. So the day before my wedding, instead of getting prepped, instead of doing this, looking that, which I, I did all that. Right. Um, and I it was wanted, at your school. And it was at our school. We're it hosting. It was at your school. So I had. Which you probably didn't know when you had set the date. Oh, no. But our, I had so many coaches come up to me when they found out I'm getting married. They're like, what are you doing? This isn't going to last. What are you doing? You should be. Ed, and Vicky laughed when I told her the story later, but and I, I did take a little guff from her, but we had been we just got married, but we had been together seven years. She knew and she understood that, you know, I'm a coach. She knew that not that I put her back priority because I don't, especially when Sarah was playing her daughter, my stepdaughter now, she would play basketball, she'd play cross country. 
uh, when I had a practice and she had a game or I had a game and she had a game, right. I'm sprinting from oh, yeah. my field yep. over there to catch as much. I usually catch at least half, if not all, of their basketball games. Cross country was different because it was usually a Saturday and we typically didn't have games. Right. So I could drive out to cross country games. Uh, same thing track and field. But it was, um, you know, she had known. You know, she knew that she was marrying a coach. You marry a coach or you you marry anybody who's in education that's dedicated. You kind of understand that there's um, certain times a year that that your job is more than seven to three or whatever hours you work, eight to three. And and that if you want to be effective and you want me to be a happy person, I'm not coming home miserable. Part of the reason I don't come home miserable and I've never come home miserable as a teacher because I've always – been able to develop a great relationship with kids. Yes. And my wife sees that. My wife has yes. always been supportive of that. Um, and, you know, like, and I, and I, the fact that all these years later, I mean, two of my former students are in the room here with is incredibly rewarding for me. Like, you know, one of my students, I, I, I get a text from a student, sometimes been out of my, you know, my classroom for five years, 10 years. Ten, I, I saw two, I worked with two earlier today, two alumni. So I, I ran into four alumni today. In, in the things that I do in my life. And uh, I'm, I, I am grateful that I had the opportunity to meet all these people because clearly uh, I was able to make a difference in their lives uh, enough that they still want me to be in their lives. And I am always very grateful for that. Like oh, for that, sure. And that, to me, like, is why you do it. I yeah. Mean, and it's not like, like, my, like any of the guys, like I said, like, you know, they're playing – they're playing like MLS or something like I, or they got some big, I, I have kids that have gone pretty far in my track and my coaching, you know, maybe I not have a lot of involvement. I had some involvement, some, some level of involvement, but I wasn't the key person in that person's life. But I felt in terms of my regular teaching career and the stuff that I do in my, my main job, uh, I think I've made a huge difference for a lot of people. And, and, and that's why you do it. If you're not doing it for it, you're certainly not, I mean, I make you're not good doing money. it for the money. I make good money. I, I don't complain about the money, but I, I certainly, I could make more money doing other. I could have made more money doing other things, and uh, but I but I I know after thirty one years I, I'm at a point now. I certainly recognize that man. I had a good thirty one years. I yeah. can't really look back on too many things that, oh man, I screwed that up or I wish I would have done that better because, you know, I know what I did. I I, I did the best I could and I and I developed great relationships with kids. No, and, absolutely, and you know, and I've had this conversation especially since we got married with you know. Like Vicky, do you ever want me to? Do you ever want me to stop coaching? Do you ever want me to go out into two sports, down to one sport? Do you ever get mad when I'm when it looks like I, I kind of feel like I'm being selfish doing all these things? And she said, "I understood it. I knew. I mean, we've been married less than a year, but let's be honest. I, I the only reason where we got married this past June fifth and not like three or four years ago, June fifth, was because I was too stupid and waited this long to finally ask okay. her. Good. Yeah. So, it, and it's totally my fault, but she gets it. She understands it. And she just, you know, she knows basically the same thing that you said. She knows that I love doing it. She knows that it's, it's not like I'm, I'm wasting my time and going out and hanging with people at the bar or being, I've never being gotten... away from the family. It's I'm right. going out doing a job. And it's something that I like, and it's she just she knows it makes a difference, the, and she gets it. The twenty six years I've been married, um, 
I've run activities through most of it. And like I said, I made some adjustments at different times for my kids because of childcare more than anything else. But never once did my wife say, when, when are you going to be home this week? Like it, no. it, it mainly like, like today is when are you going to be home? Like, and it's not like, when are you going to be home? It's going to be like, well, when just so I know. Yeah. Like, so I'm not texting you at 10 o'clock. Like, where the hell are you? Like, because, you know, like I, you know, it, there's times where you just, you're hanging out and, and, you know, and she likes that. I mean, she'll, she tells people all the time that when Seinfeld ended, we went and watched it together in school. Yes, Remember that? yes, like, yes, yes. We, we had watched it every room. day in the tech room. We, you guys wanted to watch it together. And I don't know why we decided to do it at school. Uh, we couldn't have done it at like Christina Taylor's house or we Christina Roscoe's house or something. Somebody decided we should do it in the tech room on a TV that was literally smaller than the screen of your laptop. <laughs> and we we all hovered around this tiny little TV. There was like 30 of us in this little tiny room. And I remember going to tell my wife about it. And she's like, oh, go ahead. Whatever. It's just a TV show. Go have fun. Because like, she and- knew that it was like, it wasn't like, and if it was really important or I wouldn't have done it, but like uh, rarely did. She, the only time she ever said no was when my son was a baby and we were doing Streetcar Named Desire. And in the last scene, the woman carries a baby down the stairs and Christian was a week old. And you and I wanted to use Christian as the baby, and she's like, "No, you can't." I said, "But if I go, think about this. Think about this story. The kid's got to be a movie star, right? <laughs> if you're if you're on stage and you're seven days old, right? Isn't that like, like destined that you would have been a movie star? And my son's not a movie star. See, it's and because if, and that, it's all it, because my wife said no to letting you know Christina uh, Mahoney or um, what was her name." Um, the Carrie, who is actually a nanny now, that's her professional career. Um, yeah. Kirsten. Kirsten Mahoney. Yep. Like, she's actually a professional nanny. I said, Is she really? Yeah, she is. She's a professional nanny. So, like I said, you could, she was See, in great she, hands. I was going to say, she was in, she would, it wasn't like, you know, like, you know, like OJ Simpson. She would have dropped her, <laughs> dropped him. You know, it would have been fine. It would have been so, no Michael Jackson. It would have been a great story. Yeah, it would have been a great story. A great career starter, you know? I love it. Speaking of starters, this week's coach's hot seat. This is we're gonna put Matt. Oh Matt's putting us on the hot seat. Usually, oh, cool. usually I come up with the questions. I come up with the this like quick fire. It, yeah, it, it's well, like quick fire. Kind of. So, it's sort of we had a, we had good discussions on the hot seat last week. I thought it went really. We well. had intense discussions. We had intense discussions. <laughs> I'm excited. But usually I have. And I, I purposely didn't even watch. Go back and listen. To any when you told me there was the I I remembered one from an earlier episode, but I haven't had too much time the last two weeks because obviously all we're doing is coaching right now. Yeah. So I'm a few I'm a few weeks behind on your episode. So I purposely didn't watch the listen to the last two because I didn't want to like. Try to guess what the questions would be. Oh, oh no, this is this is all brand new. This is Matt. This is completely coming from, random. Oh, this is great. This is I Matt. like random. So this is the first time I'm actually on the hot seat because I have oh, no idea what the questions good. are. So Matt, it's all yours. You first, or do we alternate? Do so we do like round I robin? Won't, I won't answer them because I wrote them. Okay, but I'll let well, you two go. Yeah, I usually answer. You can. Still I know, answer but if you I mean, want, I, but okay. I'm, I'm more curious about you. You two. All right. all right. So first one is: if you're stranded on a desert island, what is one thing that you want with you? What is one thing that we want with us? Yeah, like that you want to have with you. I oh. You want to do rock, paper, scissors? So you're going first. <laughs> I, I always like these ones. I, I always say like a boat so I can leave the island. Is that an acceptable answer? Or do I have to go with let's, like, let's go is, is there no leaving the island? Is there I have no to stay on the island? island? No leaving the island, but, not, you ha- but you have food and stuff. I have it's like food Gilligan's Island. You can it's, try to leave, but you can't. You can always end up back on the island at the end of the um, – I, as long as I, I – good Wi-Fi. That's like I want to be able to be able to have good Wi-Fi technology so I can entertain myself. Uh, I was going to say a TV. You know what? I'm, 
Can we say bring somebody else, like a significant other? Like How dare you do that to that person? <laughs> They're going to be stuck in an aisle with you? That's terrible. That would be torture. That would That's be the, the ultimate That's the one time your torture. wife would. What do you mean? I got to go. Why, of all the people, <laughs> why did you take your like, dog? Are you kidding? <laughs> Ooh, can I take my dog? That's a great answer. I would love to take Bailey. Take I'd, I'd take my dog Bailey and, and Bella too. I got to take them both. Bailey and Bella. I'm going with there that. There you go. All right. Good all answer. Right. That's a good one. All right. All right. Uh, coffee or hot chocolate? Oh, I'm or hot tea. chocolate. I'm hot chocolate all the way. I know people. It, I'll be. I'm the coach where everybody's like, "All right, we're taking Tim Hortons. I want a double double. I want this." I, I'm like, "No, nope, give me the hot chocolate. I want a large hot chocolate. Hot chocolate whipped all cream? day for me." No, not a fan of the whipped cream and hot chocolate. No, I I love I love hot chocolate. Not a fan of the whipped cream on hot chocolate. I don't. I'll I'll drink it if it's there, but my preference is no whipped cream, just straight Tim Hortons hot chocolate. Coffee. Now is it? Like any cream, any sugar, black. black? No, cream and sugar. Coffee, okay. cream and sugar. I, I make I make my coffee the night before, so it's ready to go. I just have to press the button, so it's yeah. ready like very quickly. And then I use that uh, the the coffee made Italian sweet cream. Okay, and that put that in, and I'm good to go for the. And I and I probably have on the average three cups of coffee like a day. That's my thing. See now one thing too. So forty eight ounces of coffee probably is pretty typical for me in a day. My my big addiction though is Tim Hortons. I love the ice caps. I'll I'll ice caps in fact good. my team knows uh whether it's track and field, soccer, my teams know that I'm usually coming to if practice there was a Tim with Hortons, an Oreo ice cap. That Tim Hortons, if they'd put a Tim Hortons in Houghton College, can you imagine oh how much God, money that they would, would make? Clean they wouldn't up. even have to be open any other days of the year. You if could, they were just open on those Saturdays. You could fund the college yes. from the amount of money that they would make they, from I that. I don't understand because there's no coffee in Houghton College. Like I said, I have forget slight. I have a, a I have an Oreo ice cap addiction. The Oreo ice cap is probably their best beverage, and I I love it. It is, in my opinion, and I'd it rather is their make best. my own coffee. I don't dislike going for coffee, but I'd rather make my own coffee. Okay, that's the only thing I'm good at making is coffee. Keurig or no regular pot. I make a pot, okay. and I make my wife every Saturday, usually after I. Do whatever. Do you want coffee? Sure. So I make her coffee. So that's my big thing. I make her coffee every day. Right. Take notes, twice Larry. a day. So. Take notes. Yeah. It's good. It's good. I, I got to take, I, I take. I make her coffee by pressing the Keurig. Does that count? Yeah. Sure. She's a coffee drinker. She's a big coffee drinker. No French presses. No French. I, I always wanted to try to learn. I just seems like a lot of work. I was gonna say I gotta like I gotta get yeah. I gotta get on it. It's I gotta like the learn. people that make beer. I don't understand that because I there are people more qualified than that for me. So I could just go to the store and buy beer. I, I knew that I could never. I, I don't fault people for making beer because someone's got to make it. I just don't want to make it. No. Like, yeah. I don't, don't want to get the hands dirty. I can just go and buy it, and I'm sure it'd be a lot better. Absolutely. All right. All right so that's two. So we're on three. <clears throat> Number three. Uh, favorite holiday it could be as if you're a kid, if you're an adult, if that changed. Um... You want to go first? You can go first. Favorite holiday. I tell you what. Um, and and Vicky gives I'm not going to say the favorite one yet, but Vicky gives me a lot of guff for this. I've probably one of my least favorite was Christmas. I was never a big Christmas guy until I, I got to tell you, uh, Vicky and Sarah, um, they have totally transformed me into the the big Christmas guy. Um, but I was never growing up. I was never really a fan of Christmas, uh, so that was probably one of my least until recently. But favorite holiday. Maybe just because it was near my birthday, I'm an October baby. I'm gonna say Halloween. I love Halloween. Um, as a kid, I always there was there was the Halloween co- the costume contest at uh, the Ransomville Fire Department. Uh, my dad was from Ransomville, and we'd always go there as kids. And either me, my brother, or my sister, we were between the three of us. Somebody was at least getting first, second, or third place. There was a couple times 
where we each won our age division because we're about two or three years um, apart. Um, so for me, I'm going to say Halloween. I, I loved Christmas as a kid. I still love Christmas. It's still my favorite holiday. Like I, I'm probably in my house. I love Christmas more than even my like my children ever loved it. Like I still because Christmas to me was always a special tie. I had great fa- I have a great family, and I just like the feeling of I like Christmas because you get to see a lot of people. It's not so much about the gifts. I do like getting good gifts for people. I like I like shopping for people, and I always like that you you kind of get those things at Christmas time that you aren't going to that are stupid things that you probably wouldn't go and buy because it's a waste of money. So I always, my wife's always really good at getting me the things that I probably wouldn't buy myself. In the old days it'd be like, you know, some Star Trekky thing. Nowadays it's like a golf club, which I always feel guilty about spending $300 on a golf club or something like that. So that's always like so to me Christmas to this day is still kind of those extra little get those extra little things and I do like especially I get to see like a lot of family. We have always family type things that, you know, and they're just they're just more joyous at the holidays. Oh, like, for sure. Just, like I said, Chris, uh, Vicky and Sarah definitely uh, made Christmas. It broke into like the top five um, over the years. And again, I always had the big family. I just, for whatever reason, never really got into the Christmas spirit. I was, especially later on, I was kind of towards the, the Scrooge end of the spectrum, I guess. Um, just the, uh, I don't know. But uh, Vicky and Sarah definitely, and, and can I tell you the best Christmas gift I ever got? Uh, Vicky got this for me about three or four years ago. It was a digital smoker. And I I love it. Fantastic. Yeah. All right. Um, it's kind of been answered throughout the podcast already Uh-oh. for one of us. Um, but if you could coach any pro team, which would it be? Any pro team, any sport. Oh, wow. That's a tough mm. one. Any pro team, any sport. I mean, obviously, the uh, you know, coaching a football team, I think, would be. Is coaching a football team like the top, top of coaching of the coaching world? I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, it depends. Like, in, in America, in the U.S., but like US, in England, England, for example, I guess soccer, soccer could definitely be the highest one. I, I, I don't would not want to coach. Like, I would never pick like the top team in any league. Like, of all no. of my, I would want it. Like, if I could coach a team, <clears throat> in like it would be soccer because I feel like it's the one I would probably enjoy the most. And I don't know. I probably would pick like. I'd probably pick like a like a mid level team, yes. it, like I don't know, like a, like Watford or or like I don't know, like West Ham. Like I, I'd like because here's why I like those teams. And again, Ted Lasso, you can get this from Ted Lasso. You oh, walk yeah. around those towns, and this is this is who, what they are. This is and they're and they're all in and they don't got like a trophy in recent years to show it. No, it's just so much about their community. Football and, is and life. Football is life for them. And I would I think like I think if it was like a West Ham or a you know like one of those teams they come out to play too. Like some of the teams like they always just try to not lose. Where those teams like a West Ham, like I said, they come out you know like even like a Crystal. Oh, no, it's in London. I don't really want to coach London. I like the small town feel. Like, I feel like if I got, like, that kind of, like, a Brentford or just some kind of team that's worked its way up and they've got this nice, rich history and the stadium's not super big and, like, the owner's, like, a local guy, you know, like that. I don't want, I don't want the big – I don't want the big London team. I wouldn't want one of those teams. I agree. Uh, I would definitely – whatever sport I go with, I would definitely want either uh, the mid or even lower. Even give me a, even give me a bottom-of-the-basement team. Um, with good management, something that I can turn around. 
something that has potential that maybe has always been like a diamond in the rough, like right. just poor management, poor yeah. whatever, and just get in there and really – that's what I love about sports is just taking it from the ground up, putting your stamp on a team, and turning it around. Um, I'm going to go – soccer, I love coaching soccer. Um I've always been a huge hockey fan. It's one of those sports where I've, I wish I would have played as a younger kid. Um, still to this day, I'm not a very good hockey skater, not a very good ice skater. Uh, my brother played it. He was a great goaltender. I'm going to say hockey. Um, I guess I could say the Buffalo Sabres if I want a terrible team. You might be on their shortlist. If I want a terrible team. You could be on their shortlist of people. We'll send this in. We'll send this to the Goulas. Hey, everybody else has coached that team. If if the wife thinks you're nice, you probably got the job. I mean, they've they've had a former. I feel like that's the criteria. They've had a former soccer coach. Let's hire him. What's his, what's his background? Oh, oh, he he's always high liked school the team. soccer. His brother was a goalie. Yeah, that's like seems like the criteria. Sometimes the people that they hire, he could be general manager. Hey, she was <laughs> hey, a waitress. We hired a soccer guy to coach the I, team. Ralph Kruger. I said Ralph. Kr- when I saw Ralph Kruger, I knew his name, and I said to Zach, "I said, did you see they hired a guy with the same name from like EPL?" I was like, "Dad, that guy is the EPL." I like get out of here. He's like, "No, they hired." He goes, "He was putting Zach because Zach's a sports management major, so you know it's everything about every." Sport, uh, except maybe baseball because he hates it. But um, he he's like, no, he was supposed to get the Evans job a couple of years, and he had like a and he had this whole thing like that he'd already done the research on. He said, yeah, that's the same guy. I said, oh, this is going to go well. This will oh, yeah. be great. Well, remember he did have a NHL experience where he had a losing record in Edmonton, <laughs> so you know he had that going. They wanted him. him last time. Yeah, before he went to England, they wanted him. Oh, for sure. And then he went and ran like, and he. It's not like he did a great job with that team in the financial, the business, the, the management portion. He of hasn't it. done a great job with any of his team, any sport. No. Um. So I'm gonna. But go, he was a nice guy. Oh, for sure. <laughs> That's what makes a great coach. He's a nice guy. So, Pagulas, if you're listening, I'll coach your team. I'm a nice guy. Yeah. I've got. Uh, I, I can. I can lace up skates. I've laced up skates before. That's it. So That's all, I'm gonna say the Buffalo know. Sabers. Wow. <laughs> I never thought a Buffalo. I guarantee you, you could coach them to last place because everybody else has. Hey, somebody's got to coach a tank team, right? Somebody's got to tank it. That's yeah. fair. All right, and the last one. What did you like? What was your favorite TV show as a kid growing up? Ooh. Oh, that's I love so many TV shows. That's so hard. As are, are we talking kid? like little little kid, teenager? Like what age um, range are we talking? If here? you want, you can pick one from each or one that just really stood out to you. It doesn't really matter. As a little kid, I'm saying Voltron. I from the time I'd say from the time I was probably like I don't know six or seven to maybe like ten eleven. This was like the Power Rangers of my day. I loved Voltron. It was an old uh, yeah, no, uh, yeah. Japanese cartoon, yeah. whatever Japanese anime. That was one of the first ones too that like kind of came around. Oh, I kind loved of after it. me, but like you know, but I definitely remember seeing. Him. I remember my nephew watching it because he's about your age, and I remember watching it. And uh, I was I was a kid. I was always Star Trek, and I'm still Star Trek. I still like. Most of the Star Treks and see, I thought Simpsons. I thought Simpsons might top. Well, Star Simpsons. Trek. I remember, like Simpsons. I was already a teacher when Simpsons came out. Like Simpsons, true. So I mean, I was like, so Simpson. I was older. So from a little kid standpoint, and I kind of don't watch the Simpsons like I used to, but I still love Star Trek. And um, it, and I, you know, the funny part that I liked about Star Trek so much is like I think like I learned like like kind of life lessons like watching Star Trek like. You know, Captain Kirk always trying to do the right thing, doing what was right for your friends. Like I, I, I remember, like, oh, that's a good, that's a good lesson. Like that was kind of like my first kind of role model in terms of, you know, like kind of, like kind of little values, like 
things like that. And I, and obviously the action was fun and the characters were cool and he, he beat up five guys in a fight, even though it didn't make any sense, but it was okay. Like, but I mean, but it was, but again, and I, and it was, and it was kind of, it wasn't really culty back then, but we, me and my brothers both watched it. We always kind of watched it every, come home from school and was on TV. We just probably, probably again, most of the stuff you think about it, a lot of it is because of who you did it with. Mm-hmm. Right, it's some of it's oh, not yeah. even so much the quality of the thing. Like if if you like a band, some of the bands that you liked from when you were a kid, like well, they weren't really good. But you remember seeing them a concert with your friends, and it was your first beer or whatever it was. <laughs> like you know, Just so a lot connection. of it is a lot of it is like the the like the other experiences, which is like to me like why kids think back on their sports careers with such. Oh, absolutely. For the same reasons, you know, because it was the emotion or the time or the. The other things that came with it. So. I cannot do it, Captain. I don't have the power. No. But as as an as a teenager, whatever teenage Seinfeld by far, yeah. and even to this day, I still I've got the DVDs. I know I'm old. I got the DVDs, but I've got the DVDs. What's that? It's a little thing that you put into a DVD player. And What's you that? Can watch What's it TV? A, <laughs> you can I, watch it. Again, on a I TV. teach media at my school, and I ask kids, "Do you watch TV?" And they're like. Does Hulu count? They, like that's the You're question. You're talking live stream, they, live stream. Well, that's what they mean. Like they don't like. When I was a kid on a Friday night, you sat down and watched everything with your parents. TGIF. You watch. Well, no, when I was a kid, like you'd watch like Brady Bunch, uh, the other one, um, Partridge eight, Family, part, Partridge Family, and then Six Million Dollar Man. Like that was when I was like, and we all watched it Saturdays. We watched Mary Tyler Moore and like those shows and the Carol Burnett show. Like it was you sat down as a family and watched those things. And even if like somebody got up and left the room, there was really only one TV in the house. So we all kind of watched the same things. And then even in, I remember watching Cosby in the 80s with my fam, with my dad uh, and watching movies with my dad. But nowadays, like we're just all kind of on our phones. and we're all, So kids don't really watch TV the way they we, we did. To, no, they're watching it on their cell phones. Or in they've class. got, or they they're streamcasting it to a TV that they have in their bedroom that they also put their Xbox on. Yeah, they're streamcasting it right from their. So it's like when you say watching TV to like a seventeen year old, it's almost like you're saying, like you're, you're using like a, it's like it's like do you shoe a horse? Like yeah. it's it's like it's a different. <laughs> it's not it's not the terminology the way they they think of it. Yeah. You know? Why do I have to watch it at this time when right. I can just go on demand right. and watch it whenever I want and then pause it. Go get something and then come back and watch it again. Yeah, our well, viewing habits have changed obviously a lot. So, oh, absolutely. Uh, this was this was definitely interesting being on the other end of the hot seat and not knowing the questions. Yeah. So, Matt, we're gonna have to have you do Good this job a with more the questions, often. man. Nice absolutely. job over there. Much better than what I did. Thanks. Um, so I we're at that point. We're gonna start wrapping up the show. Um, next of Ken, when do you go? You guys tape uh, on Wednesdays? Uh, well, it, we try to stay on Wednesdays for a while, but then our schedules might. My, my, so next of Ken, for those of you who want to listen to it, uh, it's a it's next of Ken. It's me and my son, and my son and I have been having these. Uh, we've been doing this podcast since he was about ten. The only difference is is that there was no recordings of any of these. They were <laughs> they were just shows that just to him and I produced in was, the kitchen it was like and, wrestling it was like, it was like the off shows and unlike now where people actually listen to us uh our family would leave my <laughs> wife would take the dog and go to bed and i i don't know what you people are talking about you're arguing why you're so loud and and my other son would just say i'm going downstairs to play xbox so it's literally christian and i have been having this these conversations for many many years we have very similar interests so we bounce we love to bounce off on our show uh, the kind of generational. I try to find things that he should watch. 
I watched a lot of Rick and Morty because, Dad, you're going to like Rick and Morty. You're going to love Rick and Morty. And then I, I, I as a 54-year-old uh, guy, I never would have found Rick and Morty. I'm so glad that I did because I think it's so smart. And then we, so we do things like that. We discuss things. But because of his school and my coaching schedule, we've, we've moved to Thursdays. So thanks to Matt. Matt does all our, he does our posting. Usually by Fridays, Next of Kin drops somewhere on, on all our, on our streaming sites. And, you know, it's mainly pop culture. Uh, we like to talk about whatever's going on, whether it's the news in pop culture um, or we review shows like Rick and Morty or movies. And, you know, we do a lot of Disney talk. We we've done I, we've I if nobody listened, we would still do it because nobody listened for years anyway. So, you know, we it's, right. I, it's just fun. It's just it, fun. It's, doing it's a lot of fun. And my and I'm real proud. Uh, my other son, Zach, and his best friend, Zach are starting a uh, podcast as well that Matt's been nice enough to give him a chance to put it on the network as well. And I think they're calling it Zach Squared or something like that. And they're going to do uh, just the totally most random things. And, and, and the they, things that they talk about in their Snapchat. And the one topic that they plan to discuss is like uh, it, how many uh, – This is I think they got this from Family Guy – uh, how many fourth graders could you beat up <laughs> if, if, you know, with a stick or if they have sticks and then you debate, they have like a serious discussion about literally, could you, could, how many fourth graders could you take? Instead of, are you smarter than a fifth grader? Can <laughs> you, beat could you beat up a fourth up? grader? It is a hot dog, a sandwich. They just want to have ridiculous. They're going to find ridiculous topics and just debate them. They're usually going to have a guest too to bring in, but that's, that's kind of what they want to do. And I, and um, they they both have a lot of personality, so I think at the podcast, what that's probably in the next couple of weeks. So we've all become like it's. This is such a fun thing to do, and it's a great for, chance for us. To, I'm glad you're enjoying it. I'm glad that we all have Matt to kind of give us this opportunity to do these things. Absolutely, and, you know. it's been phenomenal, and it's been funny because I've been always talking with Vicky about I'm going to start a podcast. I'm going to start a podcast for years and years and yep. years. And we happen to be. This was when I was telling you about Grace, and just happened to in a conversation, um, you told me about your podcast and that's yep. where i got introduced to matt yep, um, that's all because of coaching so um and what's the topic uh for this week for next of kin for the next uh, episode i believe we're going to talk about taiko watiti's movie um uh what what we do in the shadows which okay. is it's a vampire documentary and i i think we're going to talk a little bit about what if and um and then we always do the news. And then I think we're, we actually are thinking that we want to kind of change some things around. But I know definitely this week we're definitely going to probably review that. Uh, talk about just kind of the genius of that, of the way that, that he really, uh, you know, how, how good he does. We're probably just talking about making fun of vampires, basically. Beautiful. In the genre in general. So. Uh, anything on social media you want to plug before we get out of we here? Have a, we have our Facebook and our Twitter. They're both called Next of Kin. And um, check us out. And, uh, again, Keep listening because I think you guys are doing a great job. I, I, I mean, I get them a couple episodes behind, but I, everyone I've listened to, I, I listened to the rowing one. I knew nothing about rowing. I knew nothing about. But rowing I really enjoyed that because I learned a lot. But I just felt like it was it wasn't any different than any other sport. No, same time commitment, same hard work you got to put into. I thought that was a awesome show. Life lessons and doing the right thing, and I, I was, I really enjoyed that. I thought like. Uh, I don't know about Rowan. Uh, wait, wait. No, but everything translates yeah. to sports. Really, it does. You know? Absolutely. Yep. Thanks um, for having me. I really appreciate it, guys. No, thanks for coming out. Um, definitely check out Next of Kin's next episodes when they come out on Friday. Uh, follow them on Twitter and Facebook. Um, same thing with Stories from the Sidelines. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, let's get some more of those followers up. Um, 
Rich, thank you again for coming on. Yeah, it was really awesome. Yeah. Uh, Matt, as always, uh, thank you, and great job with the Coach's Hot Seat. I think that might be your permanent segment because uh, <laughs> you did an awesome job. My questions, sometimes right. I'm like, all right, they go off the rails a little bit. <laughs> um, thank everybody for listening, and we will see you again next time on Stories from the Sidelines.